boring everybody. Well, you're not. I like it. I'd like to do something a little more wacky. The show's going to be wacky. Something what? fun. What about any of Now I'm out of time. The Big Honkin' Show. Gusta la honkin' glan espectacular mucho. I like The Big Honkin' Show a lot. It was at least 10 foot tall, Steve. With beautiful hair. I had beautiful hair. I rough talked him. And run him on. A master's degree in communication. (laughs) (laughs) Who gave him that? It's just like, it was the build up. And a master's degree in communication. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Mark Out Loud. Iconic as that one image is, a lot of people don't really talk about that much. Probably because of this. Yeah, like definitely. I mean, they would go, but well, I mean, they when, started going it's a when lot. Jerry Lawler, you know? It's when Jerry Lawler started calling Canada Bizarro World. Yes. Welcome to Rock Out Loud. That's freaking Slash. Yeah, it's great you know? that guitar solo too. And uh, Disney Vault Talk. Just we're Dis- just Disney Vault. Disney Vault Talk. So, all right, and we're going to begin this joint in three. Two. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to do it without us. <laughs> we're a blast. We're fun. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. My name's Steve Gloss, the great Carl LeClaire. You know, in the town that I run. The, the town that you run? Yeah, it's it's a little thing that exists inside of me. Okay. Carlville. Carlville. <laughs> Carlberg. <laughs> You're listening to the Geek Out Loud podcast, the official podcast of geekoutonline.com. We are talking the 1995 film The Avengers with Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes. I am really excited because I've never seen this movie. So Why did it take us so long to get to here? <laughs> well, it's Geek Out Loud. Sean Connery's in it. We spent a lot of time talking Star Wars. Peace out, folks. <laughs> we had that. <laughs> Good show. Flawless, and you cut the music. <laughs> is that how we? Is this? How, this is how we end. <laughs> we see you guys later. One. <laughs> it's like you just shut it off. We're out of here. We're done with this. I just kicked the chair. Shotglassdigital.com. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, I bring in a little bit of help to talk about one of my favorite franchises of all time, from the 80s to the Michael Bay movies. We're talking Transformers. It's more than meets the eye. On this, your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud podcast.
Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to have you all along with us, those of you listening live in the chat currently, and those who have downloaded this podcast. I thank you so much for your support and for being a part of the Goaliverse, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. Well, it is Geek Out Loud. It's your safe place to geek out, and, and I'm geeking out big time today. I just got out of a movie, not an hour and a half ago, really, about two hours. Well, maybe at this point, about two and a half hours ago. I don't, I don't do well with time. Just ask Doc Zen in the chat. He'll tell you. But uh, to help me out with this, I, I say to help me out with this, I kind of planned on going solo. And uh, as she's always able to do, she twists my arm and says, I'm coming on. We're going to talk this thing. Ladies and gentlemen, she is the lovely, the talented, the powerful Teresa Delgado. Hey, Steve. I didn't twist your arm. I was just really excited. I know, but you're hard to say no to. You're so bubbly and excited when you do something. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I'll get, a lo- I'll get on board with this, too. Yes, your, your enthusiasm is infectious. Oh, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm, oh, yeah. I'll now keep a lid on my particular brand of enthusiasm. Uh, we ha- we're, we've got three episodes out of our other show, Teresa. I know we do. And it just went out and, um, I did put out a tweet on the Disney Vault Talk, um, Twitter mm-hmm. and retweeted it from mine. So that's awesome. And our podcast feed is live. Yes. We're now officially, Yay! uh, Disney Vault Talk on iTunes. You can just search Disney Vault Talk and find it. There'll be a link at geekoutonline.com soon. Uh, so you can go and subscribe to Disney Vault Talk. And I'm excited. I'm glad. I think that's going to bring a lot of people. Just the Disney thing alone is going to bring, I think, a lot of new listeners to the Goaliverse. So I'm looking forward to that. No, that's good. But everybody in the chat, there's 21 of you. You need to go over to iTunes and rate us and review us so that we show up. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Make sure you rate and review Disney Vault Talk in iTunes. And, uh, but I'm having a blast doing that show, Teresa. And everyone I talk to and tell about it, they get super excited about it. Now I've been doing podcasting for seven, some seven or eight years and no one has ever gotten excited about a podcast. I'm like, well, what do you do? Oh, let's geek out loud. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, the big home show. Oh, that's pretty neat. Good. I'm doing a Disney podcast. Really? A Disney podcast? That's awesome. Thanks. It's because guys. everybody is like a closet Disney fan and they don't want to admit it, but when you admit it that you're doing it, everybody's more confident. That's right. That's it, right. That's it's you ooze it out well, in the u- universe. I tell you, between you and Kristen with Rock Out Loud and Dave with Mark Out Loud and Carl with Know What I'm Saying, if I can ever get them to come back and do Know What I'm Saying, and and the occasional Derek, which we're we're starting up Starkville Labs soon. Um, I'm having a blast doing this, and you guys have just been great and. And I couldn't ask for better co-hosts all the way around with everything that we do, um, you know, because you guys handle the social media side of things so much better than I do, and and you guys all know more than I do about the subjects we talk about. So it's a great time, and I'm learning and having a blast, and uh, and and it's just I'm just having fun. I just want you to know I'm loving it, and every time we get ready to do Disney Vault Talk, I'm really looking. I always look forward to it. Me too. I get all amped up. So next week we'll be actually doing the next Vault Talk and we are going to hit the movie Fantasia. So amazing. Fantasia. And I know you have a lot to say about Fantasia when we get oh, there. Oh, I do. So any, can you give us maybe a, um, I don't know, a two-sentence preview of what's coming with Fantasia? Four, three, two, oh my gosh. What is that? Um, 
I don't know. That's is, not me. Is that you? Is that me? It's not me. <laughs> I don't what have is anything open. <laughs> I didn't think I had anything open. I can't find anything. What is that? I don't know. Oh, wait a second. The Kids' Choice Awards ad. Why am I even got this up? I'm not even talking about that. I had this page up that I thought I was going to talk about something in the snippets. And I'm not even talking about it in the snippets. But boom, there it is. Now I'm really not going to talk about it. My God. Oh, well. Anyhow, <clears throat> sorry. Sorry about that. Right. That's live podcasting with stuff up. Um, give us. Can you give us a two to three sentence preview of Fantasia? Hmm. Disney's ultimate dream film that mm-hmm. did not go the way he wanted to. Thus, it had to be revisited in 2000. Wow. Okay. So Fantasia 2000 was the special edition. Fantasia 2000 was them finishing up what didn't was not able to be included in Fantasia the okay. original. All right. And um, I'll give you a fun fact. Yes, fun fact. Um, Fantasia was supposed to be kind of like a 4D experience, and Walt Disney wanted theaters to convert to kind of a 4D experience for his movie, wow. which he got shot down for a lot. Well, yeah. Well, by George, that's that's amazing. We'll talk. This is the kind of stuff you can expect. We're going to get into Fantasia uh, next week on Disney Vault Talk. So be looking for that. Of course, we'll do it live as we do all of the Goldiver shows live, and uh, and we'll definitely and that'll be in the podcast feed and everything else. I want to say a special thank you to everyone who participated in the marathon uh, this past Saturday, the Patreon marathon, and everyone who's helping make the Goldiverse better. Uh, it was so much fun. It was. We ended up going really by my math, fourteen and a half to fifteen hours from ten a.m. till really almost one a.m. And uh, it, I just, it was such a good time. The kids were here, Riley and Bethany Blanton from StarWarsReport.com, and uh, and everyone was just so great. I thought all the shows were outstanding, and you know, except the ones that it were just me. Um, which was only one, I think, thank goodness. But all the shows were great, and I had a great time. Teresa, we almost, we could have gone three hours on Vault Talk Saturday. Seriously. We had <laughs> <laughs> we had enough content. We did. We really did. I, I, I was looking at it, I'm like, well, we probably should have kept it to five apiece. And so um, I didn't do you like I do Kristen. I always tell Kristen for Rock Out Loud, we need to keep it to five or six songs apiece when we're talking about something so that we, you know, keep it in a decent time frame and, and you were just like, so I got my top 10. I'm like, oh, we're doing 10? And I just kind of rolled with it. What is this that you, what is this power you possess? <laughs> it's not, it's Disney. You just, You're excited about it. You I know? really am. I really, I am. I've had a good time. But anyhow, uh, it was a great time Saturday. All of those shows are coming uh, down the pipe. I'm doing, I'm posting one a day along with uh, whatever other show is being recorded the, the previous day uh, live. So uh, that's the Disney Vault Talk is now out, and I'm kind of doing them in the order we did. So the next thing to go out tomorrow will be the Rock Out Loud that Kristen and I did on Hysteria. And yeah, it's uh, out. Oh, I'm sorry. The next thing to go out then will be the Geek Out Loud. I've got to look at the schedule. Um, yeah, Rock Out Loud, Hysteria is out. Then Geek Out Loud will come about. I, I rhymed. And, um, and Steve's Star Wars Corner and all that good stuff. We'll just keep rolling them on out. 
And uh, that's why this is episode 95 and you don't have a 94 because 94 was recorded Saturday. So if you want to help support the Goldiverse, you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. There's all the information there you need to know. And if you have any questions, just email me geekoutonline at gmail.com. Now, for those of you who have donated, everyone who, who helped out is uh, being placed on the Geek Out Online, uh, or the Geek Out Loud, rather, the Goliverse, if you will, Wall of Fame, and being granted a superpower on said wall. And that is now being um, being constructed over at geekoutonline.com, and superpowers are being bestowed, and expect those by the time this goes live to the podcast feed tomorrow. I uh, also want to give a big thanks and a shout out to Jimmy Mack and Rebel Force Radio. Uh, he put out the call to listeners to uh, propel the goal Facebook to over a thousand likes. He said it, uh, and about an hour later, we'd we'd gotten well over. We were at nine hundred, and, and within an hour or so, we'd busted the thousand mark there. So uh, he needs to do that for Disney Vault Talk. Yeah, he does. Okay, so, and so, he he really likes. He likes the show. Mm-hmm. I told you I talked to him um, towards the end of that 14 hours. Yeah. Um, he and I talked, and he said that Dylan really loves the show. So mm-hmm. thank you, Dylan. Yes, old um, Dylan Mack. Yeah, Dylan Mack likes the show, so that's really good. And um, they enjoyed listening to the top 10, so that was awesome. Also, he said that um, I asked him if he'd want to come on, and I know what movie he wants to come on for. So. Ooh. It's exciting. What you want to give us a preview, or can you? Jungle Book. Oh, okay, that'll be good times. Good yeah. times. Well, we are right now currently streaming live at www.mixler.com/slash/bighonkinshow, where we stream all of the Goldiverse shows live. That's Big Honkin Show, Geek Out Loud, Rock Out Loud, Mark Out Loud, Know What I'm Saying, um, Disney Vault Talk, Geek, all of us. And so, uh, if you're not listening to these shows, check them out. I promise you, you'll have a good time with them so uh with that teresa let's jump into some emails We've got quite a few emails, not too too many, but but a good number. It's a good it's a good number to, to kind of have and and go with and all that good stuff. Uh, let me pull them up here. We begin with Matthew Marks, uh, who I got this from him uh, prior to the Patreon marathon. He said, "Looking forward to the Patreon marathon on Saturday," um, and he said he was looking forward to Guardians Three Thousand, a comic that Marvel's putting out with the original cast or the original team. Uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the one that I was familiar with back in the 90s. And uh, he said, where should I start if I want to read more of the original Guardians team? So far, I've only read the Abnett and Lanning run. I don't know what you mean when you say the Abnett and Lanning run, Matt, but I'll tell you this. If you want to read more of the original Guardians, they had some team-ups with the Avengers back in the 70s, the Korvac Quests, K-O-R-V-A-C, I believe is how you spell that. Check out the Korvac Quest. I believe they were there. Um, and uh, and that's one that really pops to mind. And then, of course, the run in the 90s that was the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is all about Vance Astro finding the shield of Captain America was the first real story arc that you had. And that's how you got introduced to these guys and some of their principal villains and all. And it was, uh, it was a fun run. It was, it was fun reading for, 
for young Steve back in the day. And I'm looking forward to uh, Guardians 3000 as well and hoping that I have the disposable income to be able to to read that comic. Now, Teresa, do you ever have you ever been much into the uh, comic book side of things? Oh, yeah. I okay. love comic books. I've read X-Men all growing up, um, partly because of my brother, because he would go and get all the X-Men comics. So I have... I'm a really big X-Men fan, mm-hmm. more so than anything else. Um, we read Spider-Man as well. Um, and then, of course, I do the Star Wars ones. Yeah. Um, and then I do some other um, comic books now that nobody needs to know about. Oh. Because um, <laughs> I've talked about it before, but I'm just going to get chastised for it because I do all of my little pony stuff. Why? Are you, um, wait, you've not talked about that with me. Yes, I have. I've talked about My Little Pony with you once. You've talked about My Little Pony, but not comics. Oh, well, I do the comic books. Okay. Um, and I collect all the covers. Okay. Um, so I love the artwork in there. It's it's bright and it's colorful mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Um, so I do that stuff. And then, but I never, I never, I think I read some Iron Man, but nothing, I like, I never knew anything about Guardians of the Galaxy until this movie was coming out. Right. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah, it's so uh, I apparently missed out on something. Well, there, well, Iron Man actually has been in recent uh, episode, recent issues of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I say recent, maybe it was last year sometime. I don't know, but um, it. I really always dug. Wow, someone's outside my door. I have no idea what's going on. You getting a visitor? I don't know. It's a geek out loud visitor. Hold on, let's see what's happening. Maybe it's just someone visiting my brother. I always hate moments like this when I can't tell what's going on. I guess it's someone else. Okay. Anyhow, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the face. It's a squirrel. It's a run, Steve. Run. I can't. I'm trapped in the corner over here. Um, but no, they. it started out, the original Guardians of the Galaxy were this team from the future. And uh, now the team is what you see on the movie that's coming out. And uh, they're more present, but they're out in space. So... Um, and it's you know it's a different take and it's fun. I'm looking for. I'm really looking for. I can't tell you enough how much I'm looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's a huge risk by Marvel Studios, and and a great risk. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, this next one comes from Rusty. Rusty said, "Steve, while listening to Gold today, it occurred to me that one of the cartoons I can't believe I forgot for my Saturday morning lineup was Hong Kong Fooey." As I now remember Scooby being an afternoon thing, I respectfully submit Henry, the mild-mannered janitor, in its place. Who can forget Scatman's iconic voice? For your information, I sent this. Oh, he also sent a um, message on Facebook, and I don't know if I got that or not. Let's see. Anyhow. uh, Oh, yeah, he talks about meeting me at Celebration 6 and that sort of thing. Uh, Now, on the last episode of Geek Out Loud that wasn't the marathon episode, we talked about Saturday morning cartoons, Teresa. Um, I know. I heard it. I haven't made my list yet, although I probably could. What are some of your favorites that you remember off the top of your head? Just two or three off the top of your head that you remember. Here's the thing. Some of them, I don't know if they were on on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I'll call you on it if they're not. Okay, well, Care Bears. Care Bears was a Saturday morning cartoon. It aired on ABC. Okay, well, I just watched it. I don't know. Um, let me see. Gummy Bears? Gummy Bears was NBC. It was 8 o'clock on Saturday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tailspin? Tailspin, I think, was more of an afternoon thing. 
uh, weekday afternoons in the same block as like a Darkwing Duck and a Chippendales Rescue Rangers, but I'll take it. Okay. Um, let's see. Trying to think. Um, Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, they, now you Nickel, now that yeah. Was Nickelodeon. That was Nickelodeon. Now you're way ahead of. Now you're way after my time. So. <laughs> um. Let's see. This one did not come on on Saturdays, but it came on every day, mm-hmm. and it was partially animated. Blues Clues. Well, Blues Clues. Now you're way past my time. <laughs> but if I go way backwards, out of my league. Wait, hang on, hang on. Let me go back. Transformers. So I did watch Transformers. Well, Transformers was actually brother, a weekday. It was a syndicated weekday show. My brother watched it, so therefore mm-hmm. I picked it up and started watching it. Thus, I'm here. Yeah. Wow. I think maybe Transformers was on Saturdays later on because they're actually sometimes where the animation is more, it looks more sad. It, there's, it's weird. I don't know how to talk about animation right, I guess. But there's sometimes when I'm watching Transformers and it looks like a Saturday morning cartoon. And other times you can tell it was churned out to be that daily show that they were Monday through Friday back in the day. Mm-hmm. I said there's Friday another, really two Southern. More, but I don't know when they when they were on there's a show called the popples mm-hmm. yeah. um and then i i remember this but i don't remember if it was just a movie or a cartoon um rainbow bright rainbow bright i think had a cartoon i can't i, I never watched it though but i do remember rainbow bright now do you, you mentioned popples do you remember the woozles yes i remember yeah. the woozles yep the they were woozles. great muppet babies yeah the muppet babies were wonderful uh, I love Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, this one comes from Mitch. He says, um, well, it's actually, I think this is Mailman Dewey. Mailman, and yeah. He says, hi, Steve. Love your marathon show yesterday. I posted a question in the chat, but didn't know if you had a chance to talk about it. I asked if you could take some time to explain how Lucas came up with the numbering for the first Star Wars trilogy, 4, 5, and 6. Did he know back then that was the numbering? I'm sure I could Google it, but since I love your show, I'd rather hear it from you, and I meant it before... Um, that I hope you get an oven. Well, thank you. I, I don't know that I need... I mean, I do need an oven, but it's not on my really get now list. Um, he said... Uh, he goes on and says, if you want any future ideas for future shows, I said it before and I said it again. A couple of years ago, you talked about the Fantastic Four and I absolutely loved that show. I've re-listened to it about nine times. Gee whiz. Uh, I, did an, I did an episode way back on one of my favorite story arcs in the Fantastic Four comics and I've thought about maybe doing that again one time just pulling out some old comic books and and, uh, and looking through some of the story arcs I love before they all get sold off, which I need to get some more posted up. But talking about some of my favorite story arcs through, through comics I read as a kid and um, and even beyond, I guess. But uh, I, I did have fun doing that. I felt like it got tedious and long, though. Um, he said, so another comic book arc coverage from any comic would be a great show. And this is Dewey the Mailman. So... Um, this is an iteration question because it's one of those things that you think everyone knows and uh, you find out they don't, Teresa. Uh, the original trilogy was episodes four, five, and six. In fact, uh, when Star Wars was originally released, it didn't have that episode for A New Hope on the opening crawl the way it does now. Right. Um, because the studio said, well, that'll confuse everybody. Um, <clears throat> George Lucas... There are people that don't know that it's four, five, and six first. Well, no, it's not that he doesn't know it was first. It's that he doesn't he doesn't understand why he went ahead and numbered it four, five, and six. Oh, well, I know. Did he know back? Right, that's what. <laughs> right, and I'm saying that that a lot of people do, but there's always some people who don't, and and so I think it's you know every now and again we just need to get that out in the ether again. George Lucas was a big fan of the old movie serials where you would go and you may run bump into chapter ten of this Flash Gordon arc, you know, that had twelve chapters. 
and you may not have know what happened in chapters five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, you may not know what happened. You may have seen chapter four, and you may not get to see chapters eleven and twelve, but you just were plopped down right in the middle of this thing. And that's kind of the feel he was going for. He had written one big movie that ended up having he ended up having to break up into three parts because it was too much. And so Act One is what we call Episode Four, Star Wars. Act Two being Empire, and Act Three being Return of the Jedi. Um, and so, so he did it kind of as an homage to those things. He had a skeletal backstory that we know as episodes one through three. And, um, and of course, you know, he always kind of had a far off distant plan possibly for episodes seven, eight, and nine, which are now coming to fruition. So that's why he, he numbered those things originally. He never, he says he never intended to do one, two, and three. But once he had the technology kind of in his hands after the special editions, he's like, uh, let's go do this. And he did. And um, and now we're reaping the benefits of a sale to Disney, and we're going to get 7, 8, 9. So, yay. Yay. Okay. I'm excited. There you go. Good. Well, I didn't know I didn't know if you were done with the story. I am. So. I, yeah. Yes. 7, 8, 9. So excited. <laughs> I'm I'm excited for seven, and I hope it gets pushed back till May. And now let the firestorm begin, <laughs> because I said that. Um. Yeah. Matt Marks chimes in once again uh, after the after the marathon. Great to talk to you yesterday on Big Honkin Show. Just recently started listening to your live shows on Mixed. I've listened to the podcast for two to three years. Anyway, there are several things I want to talk about on the phone, but I was so excited to be on the show that I forgot everything except the squirrel story. He told a great squirrel story, which I will be yeah, which will be released uh, in a few days on the Big Honkin Show feed. He says probably for the best, gave other people a chance to call in. He he goes back to the Guardians of the Galaxy. He says the trailer got me really the first trailer got me really excited, so I took my first plunge into Marvel Comics via Comicsology and read the 2008-ish run. Then the Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest series, then Thanos Imperative. Now I'm reading Nova. I can't get enough. Anyway, with the news of a new series of the 3000s Guardian team, which made an appearance in the new team series, I'd like to go back and read some of that team's story. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, I've actually sold off all of my Guardians of the Galaxy comics, um, and I don't know that any of those are in trades, but already, the Corvac Quest and then any of the stuff from the 90s that you can get your hands on, which I'm sure will start to come out in trades here pretty soon. So... Uh, Jason Hunt, I believe this is, um... Hey, Jason! Yeah, yeah, from the Wampa's Lair. Yeah! He says, hey Steve, I've been behind in a bunch of my podcasts, but started to catch up on Geek Out Loud this past week. I'm currently listening to episode 88, hashtag Steve and Rocky forever, and had to pause it and respond to your rant about the What If the Phantom Menace Was Good YouTube video. Um, Teresa, several weeks ago on Geek Out Loud, uh, someone had emailed in a link to a video that the guy basically says, What If the Phantom Menace Was Good? That's how he opens it up. And I got through maybe five seconds of it, and I just stopped it, and I just went on a huge rant. Like, I got on Steve's soapbox and went off. I remember. You and I talked about it on that next show or whatever that okay, you and I good, did. good. Well, yeah. Jason's got my back. He says, I must applaud you, sir, for your reaction to the video. As a fellow Star Wars fan and podcaster, I've had many of those videos shuffled my way over the years, and I absolutely refuse to watch them anymore. I usually try to be cordial when people ask me why I didn't watch it, but I've nearly, I've very nearly gone off on my podcast in much the same way as you did. The prequel hate is tired, old, unoriginal, and no one has a new thought on it since Revenge of the Sith premiered in 2005. I, on the other hand, continue to find new and interesting thoughts 
on the films because I give them more than half a chance when I watch them. I'm just glad that you took time to take Jay Random YouTuber to task when he tried to get channel views by prequel bashing. Anyway, in a totally non-jarring and seamless seg segue, I was wondering if you've ever done a goal about Doctor Who. I seem to recall you saying that you like the show, but not much else. I'm loving the show. And although I'm probably weird in the fact that I tend to prefer some of the classic Doctor Who over the new ones, or classic Doctors over the new ones, four and seven in particular, have you seen any of the classic episodes? And if so, what's your impression? Teresa, are you into the Who? Oh, I'm a Whovian. Okay. All right. Do if you, you do a Doctor Who show, you need to have Aaron Goins on. Oh, of course I'll have Aaron Goins on. Um, I've actually done a Doctor Who show in the past before with my good friend Dave Jones was on. We talked. He kind of schooled me in Doctor Who. And then I began watching the Christopher, from the Christopher Eccleston series on. Um, and then my friend Casey came on, and uh, we talked some Doctor Who. In fact, Casey gave me a soundbite I've got to find for first-time emailers. It simply goes, woohoo! And, um, and we had a good time talking Doctor Who, because she's a big Whovian. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I've, I, that's, that's on back in the past. Derek and I would mention it every now and again. We'd talk some Doctor Who in the snippets and... And that sort of thing. Um, I'm looking forward to this new Doctor. I'm looking forward to a dynamic of a Doctor that's not like young and, and all that stuff. Have you seen the images that they've... The preview images of him in his outfit? I have not. Oh my gosh, he looks great. I'm excited for it. I mean, like, I'm still watching. I've done... I've watched Christopher Eggleston. And I'm watching the David Tennant episodes and stuff right now. I haven't gotten to Matt Smith. But, like, Eccleston is still my favorite at this point. Um, really? I, yeah, I mean, it'll, it, it could probably change to Tenant, but I don't know. The way that Eccleston's humor is, I just really, really like it. Um, now, and I love Rose. Rose is amazing. So you've watched, you've watched, um, I'm sorry, I'm having level problems here all of a sudden. So you've watched uh, the first episode with David Tennant. Mm -hmm. when he's like going he's trying to give a big speech to that alien he's like from the day we arrived on the planet and blinking wait no that's the lion king yes and he does the lion king yes <laughs> i know i got it i was like lion king lion king chris reckleston was my favorite for most of that david Tennant's first season there um i started to kind of turn around on Tennant toward the end of his first season um and and i just learned to love him i love them all equally you know with di for different reasons uh but i i still christopher eccleston the, the episode with the scary freaky gas mask children mm -hmm, that, and, that creeped me mm -hmm, out where he where, where when it's all said and done he gets all excited because everyone gets to live yeah that put me over the top of that show i'm like i love this show and i love this character uh, Matt Smith, I was never, I liked him. I really dug what he did. Um, I was never as big on him, though, as I was Tennant or Eccleston. So, uh, but it's a great, you know, he has a great run and there's some great stuff. They just tried a different style of storytelling with a couple of his seasons where there was this overarching through line rather than being more subtle, like with, with the Tennant stuff and even with Eccleston. There was stuff that happened early on in the season, you know, and in other episodes, little throwaway comments here and there that all came around to be this one big thing in the end. With the uh, with the Matt Smith stuff, it's like everything mattered, and um, and it was just it was a little too intricate for me in some places. So, yeah, I haven't gotten there yet, but we'll see. But um, 
Actually, if anybody likes Doctor Who, I'm going to do a tiny plug. Um, Aaron does Bad Wolf Radio, and yes. they just they just did a um, which is a podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, Aaron got to go to Philly Comic Con, and he got some good audio from the Matt Smith Karen Gillan panel. Oh, cool! And so they have it in the in their latest episode, and I was listening to all of that audio, and Matt Smith is hilarious, like. I almost want to watch his Doctor Who stuff just to see if, like, his Doctor Who is as good as, like, he is on a panel. Because he was so entertaining just listening to the audio. Yeah, he's a trip. He's such a nice guy and a a fun guy. So, uh, Bad Wolf Radio with our friend Aaron Goins. Check it out if you're a Doctor Who fan. Uh, Jason ends with a P.S. When are you and my good buddy Carl going to record a new quiz? I miss that show. Well, I tell you what, Jason. I apparently I don't have Carl's number anymore. He must have changed it because he, he's trying to avoid me. So, you've been podcasting with him more than I have. You need to ask him that question, and uh, and tell him to get in touch with me. So, um, this comes from Dwayne. Uh, he says, "Hi, Steve. What gives? I'm a longtime listener and dink dink. That's finger quote noise. Uh, fan of your mini podcast. I've heard you correct people who identify themselves as a fan of your show as being a listener, not a fan." But I've never heard you explain why. So why? If you've if you <laughs> if you've explained this before, I apologize for being a poor listener. Nonetheless, I'm a fan. Best regards, Dwayne from California. Dwayne, you're not a fan. You're a listener. I don't feel like I am. Um, I've never felt like I was uh, in a position to be able to say I have fans. I don't. I don't like the idea of people saying they're fans of Steve. I think it's. Um, you know, I think that puts me in a higher, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, a, a, a higher pedestal than what I need to be on. Celebrities have fans. Musicians have fans. You know, this show has listeners. And, and you know, I consider uh, everyone who listens friends. You know, I, I feel like, you know, that we've this, this network and this community that we've developed has um, has always been, you know, it's always been about you guys. So... Uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I, I feel like you guys are listeners, not fans. And that's what I'm comfortable with. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I'm the same way. Most podcasters are. Yeah. I yeah. mean, cause you, you just got to realize, you know, um, who you are in life and, and I do, I guess. So, I mean, we're just like anybody else. We just chose to get on our computer and talk about That's it. right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, our good friend Alicia Pettit, uh, known as the Admiral, chimes in. She says, hello, Steve. Um, it's a lady. Just wanted to say hi and let you know I really enjoyed the BHS Gold Roll VT Mole Marathon last week. Also wanted to submit a random question for Geek Out Loud. Now, Teresa, get your thinking cap on. Get your creative right. thinking cap on. Hang on. Let me put you on my head. Okay. okay. What, <laughs> what would be a good sitcom superhero mashup? For example, I'm thinking Batman just lost his wife and asked Green Lantern and Aquaman to move in and help him raise his three daughters. Or The Odd Couple, starring Two-Face and Two-Face. Thanks for the laughter. And that comes from the Admiral, Admiral Pettit. Superheroes? Like a superhero sitcom mashup. Um, For example, Full House. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) (laughs) With... uh, you know, like she said, it's it. You know, Batman lost his wife, and Green Lantern and Aquaman moved in to help him raise his three daughters. That's kind of the Full House superhero 
mash up there. Um, okay. Okay. So how about friends? Oh, yeah. Okay. Friends, but you've got like all the big superheroes like crossing over franchises. You yep. got to have like Spider Man. Okay. Who would, sp- I think Spider Man would be Chandler. Spider Man would be Chandler. Um, I'm going to. Oh, gosh. Who would be Joey? I'm going to make uh, the Hulk Joey because he's dumb. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Would Batman could Batman be Ross? No, Ross is way no. too whiny to be Batman. Okay. Maybe maybe um, Robin. <laughs> yes, Ross is Robin. Okay, Ross is right. Robin. But now we got to do the girls. Let's you gotta see. you gotta make Phoebe Supergirl just because that one episode where she came to the party as Supergirl. Yes, yeah, she has to do that. Oh, but then but Monica was Catwoman, and I, I don't know if that fits. Um, who is an obsessive compulsive superheroine? Uh, um, Rogue. Yes, Rogue. I could see Monica as Rogue. Like instead, and instead of everything have to be clean, no one can touch her. Yeah. No, Wonder Woman's not Rachel. No. Um. Um. Uh, Rachel would be. I could see Rachel. Rachel would be Poison Ivy. Yes, Rachel's either Poison. I was going to say Catwoman because of you know how self obsessed and into material things she is but by the way can i just say Teresa, i love friends and many times on this show i've called myself out just saying i'm a man and i yes i'm talking about friends i love that show and i heard someone say the other day on a podcast that they didn't think it holds up but i disagree i think that show absolutely holds up that show holds up and i will tell you why because anytime i'm like hmm, what am i gonna watch and i can't decide and greg can can vouch for this in the chat i'm like let's watch friends and we throw in friends and i can put in like season five disc two and then i know every episode i'm i have all 10 seasons on dvd and i'm still taking greg through it we're in season nine and i can't wait to get to season 10 to the fajitas episode um (laughs) but no i'm the same we should do a geek out loud on friends okay (laughs) all right we can do it we can do it i have so many favorite moments and i find myself quoting friends all the time me too um that moment when when chandler was in the box and they're like (laughs) chandler why are you in the box the reason is threefold one to show joey that i really understand how important our friendship is two as punishment for showing Joey that our friendship's not important. And three, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love the episode. It's in season eight when Chandler finds Monica's closet. Yes. And, he, and Joey's like, maybe Richard's in there. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> or where they all the where they break the plates and Joey can't lie. He's like a raccoon ran through. <laughs> <laughs> or the oh, all the Thanksgiving episodes are amazing. Yes, yes, I Especially love the one with Brad Pitt. Did you uh, did you Rachel see? Does whatever she wants in little Rachel land. Yeah, <laughs> and that was when Rachel and that's when Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston were together. Yeah. Um, who which superhero would be the the ugly naked guy across her? Well, I think that'd be the Blob from yes. the X Men comics. Yeah. Um, I love in season two. There's an episode where the guys are are babysitting baby Ben, you know, the Ross's baby. Yes, and they, and leave, they leave him on, on the bus. bus, and they get to the Department of Transportation. There are two babies back there. They're like, oh, what was he What was he wearing? Clowns or ducks? Clowns or ducks? Clowns and it's like, ducks. let's flip for it. We'll, we'll say that heads is ducks because ducks have heads. <laughs> and Chandler just looks at him and says, 
kind of scary ass clowns came to your birthday parties? <laughs> or it's like, or the part when Joey's like, it's a moo point. Oh, yeah, it's like a, like a moo point. It's like, like a cow's yeah, opinion. It's moo. It's moo. Because like, cow doesn't care. Yeah, it's a, it's like a cow's opinion. It's, it's it moo. Doesn't matter. It's yeah, moo. it's moo. <laughs> So. All right. Well, that's what we got. We we went from we went from superhero <laughs> mashups into 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 talking friends. We should do an episode on friends sometimes. That'd be fun. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to stop laughing. Oh, I love it. Oh. I love it. Well, let's uh let's do this. We got some snippets here. First snippet, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I can't get away from this movie. I'm, I'm probably overhyping this movie for myself, Teresa, but I just am so excited about it. And the soundtrack is coming July 29th. MTV actually had a listing of the songs, and I'm not going to list them here because uh, apparently Chris Pratt has said that some of them are kind of spoilery. Um, and then there are some people just don't want to know because all the songs you hear in the trailer are actually going to be used in the film. And and this music, this classic rock, you know, music is going to be used as part of the film soundtrack. But the 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 cover of the album art for this thing is awesome. Um, it is if if you remember the trailer where Groot is looking at the tape deck, and it says Awesome Mix Volume One. There's a cassette in there, Awesome Mix Volume One. That picture is the cover, is the album art for the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, which is going to be released July 29th, and. Um, and I just thought it was worth mentioning. That is so cool. Yeah, no, I'm looking at the picture right now. That's the only thing about soundtracks is that you can get spoiled by what the titles are. And I know that happened for um, oh, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace, big time, big yeah, time. Yeah, big time. Well, this isn't actually it's orchestral like the death music. Of on Jin or yeah, something. this isn't the orchestral music. This is just like, you know, hooked on a feeling. Spirit in the Sky, the stuff that, you know, the song. those are the songs we've heard in the trailer, but also other songs that are going to be in the movie. And I guess the idea is that these songs are going to play at important moments and that sort of thing, and, and part of the fun of this movie is going to be hearing some of this music just kind of pop up during the mu- during the movie. So um, so that, because they said it might be kind of spoilery, I, I didn't really dig into the, into the full track list. But uh, someone went ahead on Spotify and made a playlist of the of the track listings because MTV gave the track listings and that sort of thing. So, um, snippet: uh, the Batman series from 1966 is coming to Blu-ray and DVD, and there is um, there's been a sizzle reel slash trailer released for it. Oh, that's cool! Coming November 2014 for the first time ever. Batmobile. Just in time. <laughs> All 120 episodes. What? Is it possible? Not only possible, but true. Fully remastered in HD. Holy skyrocket! Exploding with all new special features. A special extra bonus. Batman, the complete TV series. On Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD. November 2014. You've done it again, Batman. You've done it again, Batman. Um, I... This is one of those shows that was a summer watching show for me back in the day. It just seemed to always be in on on syndication, on in syndication rather. Um, when during the summer, it, in in I would just watch it. I loved Batman, that old Batman show as a kid, and I remember in 1989 when 
Tim Burton Batman Tim Burton's Batman came out that it just had this great resurgence and I was watching all these talk shows that were having reunions with the cast and all this other stuff and it was just so cool to watch this stuff and um and I always loved that show and I took it seriously it's weird it's campy as it is and everything as a kid I took it dead serious I'm like yeah he how's he gonna get out of this mess you know I will tune in next time same bat time same bat channel because I got to know how he got out of it <laughs> did you I've only seen a little bit of it um but I attribute that to the fact that I was born in the 80s. Well, I, t- I was born in the 70s, but, you know, I, I'm a child of the 80s. It was just on. I mean, I look, I watched it in reruns, but I just, I'm just saying as a kid watching it in reruns, it was one of those things that I absolutely um, thought was great. Uh, a lot of news about the upcoming San Diego Comic-Con is being released. Snippet! Uh, Warner Brothers will be screening the Flash pilot at Comic-Con. So their flash panel is going to include a screening of the pilot of that show, which is actually really good. Um, it it has a few nice little Easter eggs in it. It's it's a it's a cool story, and it sets up the show to the point that it could literally go on for ten seasons or more. Um, you know, or it doesn't have to, but it, it's got a neat setup to it and some great reveals. Uh, myself and Derek Russell are going to be. Doing a podcast about the show at StarkvilleLabs.com. Starkville Labs will be the name of the show, and that's uh, taking off the old Starkville House of L and uh, getting in the back into that family. And Derek and I will be uh, releasing those episodes, or our first episodes, soon. So head over to StarkvilleLabs.com, bookmark it, and be ready for when that comes about. Are you? Did, have you watched like Arrow and, and that sort of thing on the CW? No, everybody keeps telling me I need to, and I just haven't done it yet. Okay, well, you should. What season are they in? Uh, season three will start this fall. So. Uh, can I get season one and two online somewhere? Season one is on Netflix, and I imagine season two will be... I don't know how much of season two is on Hulu Plus, but there, you know, it was available on Hulu Plus, and so I don't, I don't know... Hulu Plus weirds me out because like there'll be five or six episodes this week and then another five or six episodes next week. But um, but it yeah, you should be able to get it. I'll go check it easy. out. People keep telling me this yeah. is like, I hear it probably two or three times a week, so that probably means that I should watch it. Well, the uh, the second season to me is is better than the first season. That's uh-huh. what I heard. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. remember who said that. It, but but by the end of the first season, I was hooked. It took them a whole season to really get me hooked, but once I was hooked, I was hooked. So. And, uh, and and they're doing a great job with the show. It, it's been really good. And I've got one more snippet here. Speaking of Comic-Con, snippet! Um, <clears throat> Hasbro has released some of their the Comic-Con exclusives coming up. And normally I would be focusing in on the Star Wars thing. Uh, their Star Wars is a six-inch scale Jabba the Hutt uh, Black Series um, figure that looks cool, looks great, looks like a Jabba the Hutt figure. But... They also have a Transformers exclusive, and it is a set of four Dinobots. And it's a, so rude. And it, what's that? That it's at Comic-Con. I know. Uh, uh, and this is like 159 160 bucks. But it's, four, it's the Dinobots from, you know, modeled after uh, what, what you see in Age of Extinction, but their color scheme is the same as the 80s Dinobots, their 80s Dinobot counterparts. And they look so stinking cool. And it comes with this like uh, play set, this cardboard fold-out play set of 
what is known as the Ark in the old television series, the old crash ship with Teletran 1 and all this other stuff. And it just looks so cool. And I just, I want it. But anyways. I'm looking at the picture of it and I'm jealous. Yeah, I, IGN got the... Uh, Got the reveal on that there, and IGN.com has uh, has even more pictures. Has a picture of, uh, um, I believe that may be Grimlock transformed uh, into a robot mode. It might or it might be Swoop. Uh, no, that well, Grimlock is the T Rex. Grimlock's a T Rex, uh, and they've got Swoop him. Swoop is the bird one. Yeah, Swoop is the bird one. Uh, you had they called one of the guys Spike. But mm-hmm. in the old in the old series, it was Sludge and Snarl, um, and so. But yeah, they show all of them in their in their robot and dinosaur forms, and um, they look so cool. So it's it's really you know I I love the Transformers. Me and too. Guys, and those guys look super cool. So speaking of Transformers, that's what we came here to talk about. So uh, let's. Let's get out of the snippets and get into that. You got the touch. This is Stan Bush. Listen to Geek Out Loud. You got the power. Yeah. Roll out. You got the touch. You got the power. I love this song so much. Me too. And always have. The Touch by Stan Bush, featured in the original Transformers, the movie, from back in 1986. And My Lanta, being a nine-year-old in 1986, with this movie being out, and, and of course, I didn't get to see it in theaters. I didn't get to see it until it came out on video. But, um, <clears throat> man, you want to talk about news that swept the playground. Optimus Prime is dead. Long live Optimus Prime. It's like what? Spoiler. What are you talking about? Optimus Prime is dead. You can't you can't be serious. And like, yeah, it's terrible. I'm like, it is terrible. He's Optimus Prime. He's the hero. He's the he's the greatest Autobot ever. So um but uh <clears throat> before we get to all that Teresa, you you really wanted to get in on this episode, so I did because I <clears throat> love Transformers. Now, how did you how did you decide that you love Transformers? Well, I grew up with them, so I know the original cartoon it started in '84, mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't born until '85. Welcome, <laughs> but my brother was into Transformers, and um, he was, I guess. He was like five, four when Transformers came out, and then he had them all growing up. Mm-hmm. And so, and my grandmother, had, we've talked about this before, she records everything on Betamax, so right. she had all of it recorded. <laughs> I love that it's on Betamax, by the way. It's all on Betamax. It's cataloged. Each video has a number, and it's in a card catalog system, so you can look for the number and pull it out and see what's on it. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And still works. Um so you so that's how I ended up watching them and I had the Transformers toys because my brother had the Transformers toys and so it was kind of because of my brother. Yeah. Um but you know I was actually talking to my mom about this the other day. She's like you've loved Transformers since you could, you know, talk and play with stuff. Of course. Why wouldn't you? 
they're great. I, you know, I, I discovered Transformers on a Christmas morning. Um, my parents were always really good at seeing stuff on toy shelves when they'd be out Christmas shopping and knowing Steve will like this. Um, you know, the foundation of my geekdom, I've always said, is Star Wars. Uh, I've loved Star Wars since before I could talk, you know, and, and it's just always been with me. And so springboarding off of that, my parents would be in, you know, going out Christmas shopping and be like, well, this looks like something he'd like. And my very first Transformer was Megatron, the original Megatron that transformed from a robot into a gun. And I just, as a seven-year-old kid, I just could not get that thing. It was like so weird. And, you know, and, and it took me forever to even follow along with the instructions they sent with. I'm like, okay, now wait a minute, pull this apart, do twist this, bring this up here. Wow, he looks really weird, but I like him. And, um, and, then, the, and then the cartoon hit. And I'm like, oh, well, I want Optimus Prime. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and my friend up the road had Optimus Prime, and and uh, and sound. He had Optimus Prime and Soundwave. I had Megatron. And then as as things rolled on, see, Transformers toys were kind of expensive back in the day. Yeah. And for young parents of a family of you know four kids, three kids, you know, three, then four, and then five. But you know for they you know you couldn't just have a transformer all the time and um and so my my collection was a little more sparse than than i would have liked it to have been but it all started with that megatron then there were some smaller transformers you could get you know that that were kind of excuse me for bringing this term into it but they were gobot sized and uh and so i got some of those and then when the newer wave hit man i remember i remember getting inferno the the fire truck and blur which was a futuristic looking car which came along a lot later perceptor was one of my favorite toys because he was a real working microscope that turned into a transformer um i just i loved the cartoon i love these toys but i do have a sad story i have to tell oh no yeah i don't like sad stories we used to one of the fun games we used to play with all the kids in the neighborhood was war and uh, we'd break up into teams you know and and all of us pick our weapons and pick our bases and, and you know, and just and just kind of go on patrols and go after each other, you know, with our fake guns and pew, pew, you're dead. No, you didn't get me. I ducked. No, you didn't. I got, you know, that kind of thing. And um, we were picking our weapons out, and my best friend from up the road asked me if he could use Megatron in gun mode. I'm like, yeah, man, you're my best friend in the whole wide world, of course. Oh, no. We're going to be best friends forever. This is forever. going nowhere good. And, um, and so we had this great climbing tree uh the big honking show listeners have heard me talk about our, our neighbor's bush that we used to play in um this climbing tree was kind of right on the same side of the yard as that bush was but it was in our yard so there was no chance of it being cut down it was just an old dogwood tree and it was great to climb up in we used to climb up in it and sit around and talk and that was kind of our meeting place well my friend had climbed up into the climbing tree uh, to get the high ground advantage and it was kind of spring so he could kind of hide in up there amongst the leaves and everything and uh, and he saw some folks coming so he jumped down out of the tree and when he did he had Megatron in his pocket and he landed and he broke Megatron oh no yeah and I was like it's okay man you know I was you're my best friend it's fine it's fine now I look back and knowing what even because the only thing that was really broken was the barrel of the gun and it just kind of snapped in a weird way um, Megatron could still transform and everything. You could still kind of balance that little piece in there. 
And knowing what I know now, my mom ended up throwing the thing away. And knowing what I know now, I really, I'm glad he's not my best friend anymore because um, it was really kind of a, it's turned out to be a real valuable situation. (laughs) 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 But I have a happier story about Transformers as well. Because I always wanted Optimus Prime, right? And I never was able to get Optimus Prime. Uh, in fact, I would use my stuffed Wicket doll. Um, I have a stuffed the one w- Bethany had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would use him as Optimus Prime. <laughs> I don't know why yeah, I would. Wicket's that good. <clears throat> exactly. He can be Optimus. Exactly. And so, um, but then Optimus died, and I had Rodimus Prime. Who was yeah. cool. But Rodimus Prime was more of like a mini, not really a minivan. He was this weird futuristic truck with a weird camper cover over his, over the bed of the truck or something. I don't know. But uh, but I had Rodimus Prime. Who also, if you look at that old figure, he had bell bottoms. But anyhow, I digress. Well, there was a line in the late, seven, uh, late 80s, 87, 88, um, where they brought back a new version of Optimus Prime. And we were in Walmart. We'd moved down to South Georgia from where I was born in Athens, Georgia at the time. We'd moved down to this little town, Hazelhurst. And I was in Walmart, and they had that Optimus Prime. And I just, and he was like 30-some-odd bucks. And I'm like, oh, I've got to have him. I've got to have him. And my dad was like, well, I'll tell you what. You know what? You need to earn this one. So why don't we put him on layaway? I'll pay whatever, you know, the, the thing to just to have him on layaway. I'll pay it down to where it's an even $30. And uh, you cut some grass and, you know, make some money. And then you come up here and you pay for it. And and so, you know, little 10-year-old Steve was cutting grass every week for $10 a clip um, and taking it immediately to Walmart to pay off my layaway. And so in, you know, three or four weeks, there I had him, Optimus Prime. The, this awesome Optimus Prime where the truck bed kind of became a little base and, you know, he was big and awesome. I'm like, finally, I have Optimus Prime to defeat the evildoers in my collection. And it was a grand day as a 10-year-old Steve. So I've, I've loved the Transformers for years. In fact, when I was in college, I was home from college. See, I, I'm starting to talk, Teresa, and I'm sorry. So you're, <laughs> no, gonna have to, you're just going to have to... I'm enjoying the stories because... Like you were, you were old enough to remember what they all transform into and everything. Yes. And I just remember playing with them, and I remember always having a hard time getting them all the way transformed. So I'd get them like almost there, and just be like, "Good enough. Good. Enough. This is good <laughs> enough for me." Pew pew pew. Um, I, I was, and when I was in college, when I when I went off to school, that was the time that the series Beast Wars had begun. And I wasn't really into it. I'm like, this is stupid. Optimus Prime, well, dumb, dumb. I'm not. A, I'm not all about this. Rat Trap, what is that? This is ridiculous. Uh, this 3D animation stuff. That's not going to last. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> but there were some guys on my dorm that would absolutely. They'd watch it every day. I'm like, why are you watching? It's like, dude, it's gotten so cool. They're bringing in some of the original stuff. And I started. I'm like, oh my lanta, look at that. And so I was home from college, and there was, and it was on the TV, and I just kind of had it on, and I was, I was sitting there watching. My dad walked through. He's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "It's a new Transformers show." And he just looked at me and smiled. He's like, "You always did love the Transformers." And I'm like, <laughs> "I did always love the Transformers, Dad. You're right." So, <laughs> but um, I, I absolutely have always dug them, and it, and you know, and because the truth of the matter is, the toys were cool. They were cool toys. You know, it's not that high of a concept. A, a car turns into a robot, you know, um, or a car turns into a plane. And there are good guys and they are bad guys and they fight each other. And um, it makes total sense. And it was so cool because on the packages, 
on the back of the package of the toys you would have just jump in any time, Teresa. You you had the tech specs, which would tell you it have a quote from the person. It would kind of give you a bio of them, and then you could and and then there was this like scratchy field over to the right that was like all these red and blue lines and stuff. And you could and they and it came with like this this piece of clear red plastic, this clear red film that you laid over that, and you could see. How strong they were, how intelligent. You know, it was their. It oh, was their tech. So cool. Yeah, it was. Their I never saw stuff. this stuff. Yeah, it was really neat, and it, it came with all of them, and um, <clears throat> they had some cool art in the back. Uh, you know, on the back of these things, that, you know, just the Transformers at war, and I just I dug them, and they were so expensive. My collection never got big, but I had neighbors behind me that just had everything, and they would lose parts, and it always made me so mad, so mad. See, we didn't have everything, and like, like I said, I don't remember all this stuff because obviously the toys were my brother's first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you who I latched onto. Okay, and he became mine, Bumblebee. Nice. He nice. became my toy, and um, I think it's because he was a Volkswagen Bug, and I loved Volkswagen Bugs forever. I can't ever remember not loving a Volkswagen Bug, and I've actually owned <laughs> two. Oh yeah. Yeah, Ugh. and so um, he was like, Bumblebee was everything. And then in the show, because he's so much smaller mm-hmm. and like I'm small and I identified with being Bumblebee and being like not looked at as awesome because we're so small. Yes. Um, but we're, we are and we're amazing. And he, um, But he was Spike's best friend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. and... Um, you know, so like I attached to Bumblebee, and then I, of course, I had to attach to one villain and Soundwave. Soundwave was mm. it for me because Soundwave was a tape deck. Yes, yes, he was tape deck. And, <laughs> um, you know, and he had he had Ravage and Laserbeak and Rumble and everybody that and Frenzy. Like, yes, Rumble and Frenzy. Um, and it's just like. There was he was so cool and his voice mm-hmm. was awesome. Yes, yes. Attention, Megatron. Yeah, uh, he was cool and he'd be like, "Rumble, frenzy, eject, operation, destruction." Uh. <laughs> he always had. An, I was like, <laughs> "Ravage, operation, you know, whatever." Yeah, it's like Ravage, and- operation. Uh oh, recon and and Ravage would take off. Laser beak was cool. Then there was Ratbat. Yeah, Ratbat was when wasn't didn't Ratbat come out in was it G two? No, no, Ratbat no. was actually he was kind of a, a different way when they were trying to sell new tapes that you could buy oh, for. Yeah. yeah, and what happened is because there was an Autobot tape deck they made or an yes. Autobot boombox blaster, who was red and yellow. And Blaster talked like a radio DJ on the cartoon. He's like, coming at you now, live. Uh, but he had, I don't remember the names of his particular um, tapes that would transform, but one was like a lion, one was a rhino, and then he had two little guys as well. So Yeah, I remember that. Can you tell me something, though? Because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't recall how this, I, how this happens. I know Bumblebee's voice stuff gets damaged. But in the very beginning of G1 Transformers, he talks. Well, in the in the original Transformers series, he always talked. He never there was never that voice box thing. That was just done by Michael Bay and company in the movies. I thought. No. 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 Okay. So, mm-hmm. 
then in Transformers Prime, they just continued. Yeah, from the in movies. the Transformers Prime series, it was more based on those movie characters. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that was that was just the movies in, in Transformers Prime. Bumblebee always talked uh, in the in the cartoon, and he was one of those classic voice actors, you know, that was doing everything around then. Uh, the The counterpart to Bumblebee to me was always Cliff Jumper. Cliff who, Jumper, who yeah. wasn't really a, a Volkswagen, but he kind of looked like a Volkswagen Beetle. I yeah, don't know what he's kind like of car this kind of like red, weirdish kind of yeah. roundish car. Yeah, and he was he was voiced by the late great Casey Kasem. Um, but uh, I mean, like, wasn't seriously. Corey Burton a voice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the original. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Let me let's. I mean, let's find out. There's no there's no shame in 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 going to the IMDb for this stuff. Well, um, and one of the coolest things is um, Peter Cullen's been Optimus Prime for. For years Forever. now, yeah. Now there was a period in there where they got away from that, and then they realized, why? Why are we getting away from this? This is, you know, this is too good. Why would we do this? Corey Burton was was Spike. Okay. Yeah, and others. Um, of course. Can I address something that mm -hmm. Doc just said in the chat? In the chat, real quick. Oh no! Yeah. He said that he's upset because Bumblebee wasn't a Volkswagen Beetle, and I'm assuming he means in the movie. Well, he was a beetle at the beginning and then he had to change into another car but i will say as a as a bumblebee fanatic and i have two shirts of bumblebee on the front of them i love camaro bumblebee freaking love camaro bumblebee because i love camaros as a car and so when he turned into a camaro i flipped flipped out yeah well now like, he yes! now listen in the movie he was never a beetle they had that little yellow beetle parked next to him where he oh, parked yeah, next he to wasn't him. the beetle but yeah. He was, yeah the one that was parked mm -hmm. next to him now yeah. he uh the, the guy who was the voice of bumblebee um in the in the original cartoon was just like i say he was one of those things you heard all he you heard his voice in everything gi joe um jim Centurion, Sectars, these are all guys, these are all people who will know, uh, <laughs> that us children of the 80s will know. Um, he was in Pound Puppies. Uh, he did voices in the real Ghostbusters, Dino Riders. Uh, in the ALF TV series, he was he was in that. He was um, he was Colossus uh, in, in one of the X-Men things that happened. So, I mean, this dude was all over stuff. He just had one of those voices that you recognize from that period of time. Um, Dan Gilvezen is his name. Corey Burton, um, who played, gee whiz, not just Spike, but so many others in that thing. And, of course, Peter Cullen, the great Optimus Prime. But Peter Cullen also was Ironhide in the original. Uh, Frank Welker, who's just a legend, legend, legendary voice actor he was like was, 15 different transformers yeah he was megatron um chris lotta the late chris lotta who was cobra commander was also starscream um mm. in in you know and starscream was one of those things uh that you know he's one of those he was that's the thing about this show is is it had it had these um characters particularly Scar starscream who you never really this and gi joe had these had these characters that were trying to usurp their leaders you know destro was was always kind of undermining cobra commander in gi joe but starscream was always out to take power 
from Megatron. Like he was the most underhanded. And if and if one of Megatron's plans failed, he was super happy, you know, because he wanted Megatron's job and just wasn't strong enough to take it. And it was really weird to have that kind of go down. And that was, you know, that always caused some treachery in that show. But that whole show was just so great. Now you said you've been rewatching it lately. I have been rewatching it. And I was actually watching it before we um before we started. And we're still in the first season. Oh um, wow. But I was yeah, I'm rewatching it because I wanted to like I haven't watched the whole thing in maybe like three years mm-hmm. then. And um so I wanted to rewatch it. And I'm so enjoying it so, so much. Greg's response <clears throat> when he saw it on TV, he was like, What is this? I'm like, it's Transformers and he's like that's like from the eighties. I'm like, yeah, the original Transformers. He's like, oh, and so he's asking me all these questions because he never really watched it. Uh-huh. You know, he's seen the Transformers movies, like the the movies that have come out. Right. But he'd never really watched the show, so it's kind of fun because I'm getting to show him the show. Oh, I I love those old cartoons. I mean, and I remember as a kid when this stuff started out. They started with a five episode miniseries, which is that five parter that kicks off season one. With the space bridge and bringing mm-hmm. uh, bringing Cybertron to Earth and all this stuff, and and I remember watching that every day, that Monday through Friday, and they would leave on a cliffhanger, and you're like, "Oh my Lanta, well, how are they gonna get out of this one?" Um, and and then once the show started being regular, and they started just adding in Transformers here and there, you know, you never had to wonder, you never questioned, well, where did these guys come from? You just knew they were there. And it was just, I just absolutely, um, I absolutely loved watching this thing. And I loved watching the new guys come in. They actually did something. There was one group of people they did something with they didn't do with any of the other Autobots or Decepticons that came in. And that was the creation of the Dinobots. They made a point of showing the creation of the Dinobots with uh, Chip and, and Spike um helping out uh, Wheeljack to make, to create the Dinobots. I think you, if you're in season one, have you gotten there yet? Yeah, well, I'm in season one, but I haven't gotten there yet. Oh. But I remember, but I remember that because I remember everything that you're saying. I just haven't gotten there on my we- my rewatch. And they go crazy. They're out of control and they, and they decide to lock them away. But then here comes the Constructicons and they form Devastator and they need the big guns to come out and Grimlock helps, you know, he just, ah. Uh loved love that show and i loved all the combiner transformers too see now i'm officially yes, geeking yes. out the ones that they came they would all go together and yes. make like one big giant transformer yes the con- yes the con- but dinobots were my favorite yeah well a lot of people like the dinobots i always like the different like i never really cared for the constructicons um but i thought it was cool that they made devastator i like the aerial bots who they were the autobot planes who formed superion and their leader had a fear of heights. You've got a plane, you've got a transformer that turns into a plane, and he's he's scared of heights. You know? <laughs> but that's that's the irony. Yes, that's the irony, and that's the thing they had to work through with this character. They really did a great job with some of these things. Um, you had the Stunticons who formed Bruticus, uh <laughs> which were, they were all cars and, and stuff. Then you had um you had the the Terracons, which were a bunch of monster Decepticons that formed Abominus, and oh, I just I love these things. You had the uh, the the, the um, 
the rescue Autobots, I forget what they were called. I forget what their little team rescue was called. Bots. Maybe, but I don't think so. I think it was a little more clever than that. And they had um, like an ambulance and a fire truck and stuff. And they combined to form Defensor. And then you had the Predacons, which were all animals, and they and they formed Predaking, which was really cool. We had like wings on the back and everything, and so I remember that one. Yes, yeah. So see, I, this is the bad part. Like this is why I like to do the rewatch. I don't remember all the names of stuff because I was so little mm-hmm. that I just remember going cool. Well, for some of them, if you blink, you'll miss it. You know, because like there's some that only made like in one episode or one or two episodes. But I'll tell you who I the three that I absolutely love, Teresa. And I know you loved Bumblebee, and I know I'm just running on and on and on here, but I, but the 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 lid has been uncorked, my friend. <laughs> uh, so number one, Omega Supreme. Now Omega Supreme was a giant transformer that lived on the moon. He was an Autobot. Oh, cause good, cause it sounds like a taco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have one Omega Supreme, please, with a little extra hot sauce on that. No, you know what? No, leave all the hot sauce. The Omega Supreme is enough for me. Um, extra cheese. Um, no, he he was he he transformed into like this this whole space station thing. He had tracks in a in a in like a a tank that would go around on the tracks and and a and a rocket ship and and all that combined to form it was him. It was Omega Supreme. He he transformed into all that stuff and as this base kind of thing. And then uh, later on came Metroplex and Trypticon. Now, oh, I remember Omega Supreme. I just googled him. Yeah, see, <laughs> Metroplex. See, I just have to. I just have to Google him, and I mm-hmm. remember. Well, Metroplex in the cartoon has a has a neat backstory with the Constructicons. Like Ooh, Constructicons. A, yeah, that formed Devastator. So be looking for that episode. Um, <clears throat> the uh, but then there was Metroplex, and Metroplex was like the Autobot city. Like he was a huge base, and yeah. um, and and he his nemesis was. The Decepticon City, Trypticon, which turned into like a big dinosaur-looking thing. Dinosaur. So, dinosaur, yeah. Um, and so those guys were just super cool, and, and they had all these little parts, and my friends, my next-door neighbor had them, but he always lost the parts and just always irked me. I'm like, how do you play with these toys? Why don't you, why, why are you losing the parts? It always irked me. I, I was always very much, let's take care of our toys. Now, I had toys that got broken, and parts missing but not because of neglect it was because well they just got played with so much and things would just fall off and i wouldn't realize it but i think that happened to most people's transformers yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm talking all my toys but uh these these things absolutely they just captured my imagination now uh i've mentioned briefly the the old 1986 transformers movie oh my god love it it is it is a feat i think it's a it's a definite feat in in animated film that's not disney you know it's it was it was fantastic. A lot of the art and, and stuff is so detailed and, and intricate with with the way it was done and and the music they decided to incorporate. White Lion doing uh, the Transformers theme at the beginning. Transformers! Yeah! Um, of course, The Touch by Stan Bush. Dare, uh, who was wasn't written by Stan Bush, it was performed by Stan Bush and written by Vince DiCola, who also did the rest of the soundtrack for the Transformers, and he did the soundtrack for Rocky IV. Oh, look at that. Worlds colliding. Collision. Um, But, you know, that that whole thing with the Transformers the movie is neat because really it was just Hasbro's way 
of doing a movie that they could get rid of the old line and just introduce a completely new line of Transformers. Get rid of Megatron, and now we have Galvatron. Get rid of Optimus Prime, now we have Rodimus Prime. Get past all these other old ones and, and bring in the new. And to do that, they killed off a lot. That opening scene, uh, there's an opening fight scene, and Ironhide goes down. I think Ratchet might have gone down. All these mm-hmm. guys just go down. Um, and I don't want to talk about Ratchet right now because oh. that's still a oh, sore spot yeah, from, yeah, the, new, yeah, from yeah. the new one. But um, but then you have them land on Earth, and Optimus just says, "Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost." And as he's transforming, that the touch starts up, and I mean these guys have a battle to the touch, and it's just. You know, it goes back to that epic battle that they had on the dam in the first season where yes. Optimus Prime, you know, brings out the axe yeah. out of his hand and Megatron yes. has the mace swinging around. And I've not watched that in a while, by the way. I just remembered. It's just coming out of my head. And, it's amazing because um, I just watched that. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so you know, and Optimus Prime says, one shall stand, one shall fall. And it goes back to this code of honor where this is their fight. And so no one gets involved except Hot Rod, who distracts Optimus long enough uh, for Megatron to get the kill shot in. Mm-hmm. and But Megatron is so damaged that they just jettison him into space. And, oh, uh, it's just... And, but Optimus Prime died. You know, Megatron didn't officially die, and that always kind of bothered me. Um, you know, but... But he comes back, Steve. He does come back eventually in the return of Optimus Prime. He actually comes back in, in, a, in a... Dave and I were talking about this last night after Mark Out Loud. He comes back in an episode called Dark Awakenings where the Quintessons, who are the creators of the Autobots, or the creators of Optimus Prime, uh, bring him back almost as kind of a zombie to, to just go wreak havoc. And in the end, he starts to pilot a ship toward the sun uh, to do himself in, and, you know, and because he'd been nothing but harmful. I think he kind of got back in his right mind for a minute. Well, they find him again. Cosmos finds him. They bring him back. They take him to the Quintessons and make the Quintessons put him back together right. Meanwhile, there's this disease going on all over Earth where if people touch each other, they just turn into wild people, you know. Zombies. Yeah. No, not even that. They just start fighting each other. Kind of zombies, I guess. But it happens to the robots and the people alike. And the only way to save them is with the power of the Matrix. And uh, so Optimus Prime pulls out the Matrix and it lights their darkest hour. And while it does so, you got the touch, please. So, um, but yeah, he does come back. And, and, you know, I'll... I can't say enough about how much I love that series and that movie. Well, because it's fantastic. And I wish I wish I remembered it the way I remembered Disney movies. Mm-hmm. So I just have to watch it more. But I've seen it so many times, but I just don't remember every little detail. Um, which is why I'm on no rewatch. <laughs> I'm watching everything again. Um, because I just know I love the Transformers. Mm-hmm. And I know it in my heart that I love the Transformers because I literally freak out about them. Yes. Because, like, the new movie. And then, oh, goodness gracious, when her universe announced the timeline. Oh, we just lost Teresa for a second there. Teresa, are you with us? We've we've lost you. And that's not even my fault, guys. That's not even the fault on my end, I don't think. There was a problem with this call. Hold on while we try to get the call back. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, I love Transformers! <laughs> <laughs> you were saying you were excited. You started to drop off talking about the new the, the new Her Universe line. 
Yes, they announced it last week, and I was flailing so hard because I'm just so excited. And I was like, I have to have everything, every single thing. Are they going to be more of like the movie versions, or are they going to do some G1 stuff? Or no, the stuff on it is G1. Have you oh, not seen it? No, I've not seen it at all. Because I don't, I don't really shop for women's clothing and accessories that much, Teresa. I would just think you would at least like look at it just to be like, hey, it's it, Transformers. It always Let me makes take me sad it. because it's like I, it always makes me sad because I can't buy any of it for myself and I don't have anyone to buy it for. Oh, anyway. So Aww. when is that? When is that going to launch officially? It, it already launched. Oh, it's okay. out. I am actually right now. So it's available I'm at heruniverse.com. So you can see it. Okay, so this is now available at heruniverse.com. Yes. Heruniverse.com slash Transformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, it's heruniverse.com slash brands. Mm-hmm. Oh, slash I'm sorry. Transformers. Slash Transformers. Oh, they've got, she's got the Bumblebee dress, the I Optimus know. dress. I know, look at it. The Autobot pattern leggings. More than meets the eye shirts. Dinobots uh, retro. Oh, wow. Yeah, I want all of that. She's got some... Oh, they are so... That more than meets the eye tank top. Gosh. Yeah, I want that. And it's there's something awesome about this. I'm going to do a little thing real quick. Um, she says in the description on the more than meets the eye tank, it says, Transformers are more than meets the eye, but we feel that this is an appropriate saying for fangirls too. For so long, fangirls were considered an afterthought, a faction of fans that were in, only interested in the sci-fi genre because of the men in their lives. Fangirls are now stepping into the spotlight as fans that equally love these properties. Yes, we do. We are more than meets the eye, Steve. I hear you. Well, you, you've, you've convinced me. I put a link there <laughs> in the chat for everybody. Uh, heruniverse.com slash brand slash transformers. Tell them, you heard, tell them Geek Out Loud sent you over there. Geek Out Loud and Teresa sent you. So. <laughs> yeah, I want to get that bumblebee dress and I want to put on a black belt and leave like my black leather jacket and some black combat boots. I'm excited. You're just super tough, aren't you? Super tough. Super tough. tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was several years ago that uh, they announced that, that they'd be making, that Paramount would be making, or releasing rather, uh, Michael Bay-directed uh, movie, The Transformers. Um, and, you know, I remember as as it began to happen and, and images began to leak out and everything, People were really kind of upset about stuff. Now, you've already touched on the fact that you were okay with Bumblebee being a Camaro. Oh, so okay. Um, I, I really dug Ironhide. I loved the, that truck that he turned into in the movie. I was cool with Ratchet. Jazz was all right. You know, I, I dug all the all the various designs for these things. I remember just looking at him and like, that's so cool. That is so cool. And people were complaining that Optimus Prime had, you know, uh, had flames. And I'm like, shut up. He's Optimus Prime. He's voiced by Peter Cullen. Um, and I, I went to see this movie open at night, you know, ha- having read bad reviews, having heard bad things, and everyone being disappointed in it. And let me ask you real quick first, what was your initial reaction to that first Transformers movie by Michael Bay? I midnight showed this one, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. I did. Um and I remember being on the edge of my seat the whole time, just being so excited. And um, I like you. I didn't care that Optimus Prime had flames. I loved, um, I loved the scene where all the Autobots are coming to Earth yes. and they're all climbing out of the pools and stuff like yes. that. Yes, that was Optimus climbing out of the pool, by the way. Yeah, and then I remember when, and then Jazz 
sees the car that he turns into. And let me just tell you, it kills me that Jazz died so quickly. I, I was know. so pissed off about that. I, um, I agree. You know, I just, I love the whole dynamic of the movie. I loved, um, and everybody can hate me now, but I loved Megan Fox in the movie. Yes. I thought she did a really good job yes. doing playing the role that she had. Um, hey, by the way, I like Shia LaBeouf in the movie. So do I. I don't have a problem with him at all. And I fully believe his relationship with Bumblebee. And, you know, is it is it the first one or the second one? I think I'm getting them confused. Where It's the first one, where they take B away. Yes. Right? I was crying mm-hmm. because they were torturing my B. It was so... It was, I was so angry. Yeah. Well, you you talk about that moment when um, when all the Autobots are coming to Earth, and I've talked many times on this show about that piece of music. The composer for this and all the Transformers movie uh, movies is Steve Jablonski. He's worked with Michael Bay a lot um, throughout his career, but that piece of music just captured everything I was feeling in that moment as as the as they're coming down, and it's and it's just like. It was this magical, neat moment. And then as they all, as you said, they all picked out their their vehicles and everything uh, to be. And when he transforms there in front of uh, Sam and Michaela, Mm -hmm. and he says, I am Optimus Prime. I was just in the theater. I went, heck yes, you are. Heck yes, you are. (laughs) I was just, I was there. I was there. I got to play a little bit of this. Yes, please do. I love that music. I love oh, that piece great. of music from You know you know what scene I love with the music and it's not um it's not the the orchestrated stuff. Mm-hmm. It's when when they're in Bumblebee and they're hiding, you know, and then they take off and like the real like rock like yes, music yes. starts. Yes. Oh, you need to play that. <laughs> I don't have the, I, you know what I've got every single Transformers album except the transformers with the music uh from from that first movie um i've got i've got all the i've got all the others and i, and I thought i had that one but i don't and it's really kind of bumming me out um but i i agree with you i thought that first movie was really good i had some disappoint i was disappointed in a few things i was initially disappointed they didn't choose frank welker to do megatron's voice yeah, um, who did they choose? Hugo they, Weaving. Hugo or Weaving, you know, and they really didn't need to because, his, you know, it was just a voice actor. You know, it was just a vo- vocal part, but he also did real well with with that part of Megatron. Like I, I bought into it and everything. The only other thing I was disappointed about is there was a lot of times where they would focus too much on Sam running around while the fights were going on behind him, but I think that was just a trick because they couldn't afford to really show full-on robot fights too much. You know, this was their first outing in a Transformers movie. And Michael Bay did a fantastic job of getting all the shots of the vehicles and everything. 
and and so the fights suffered just a little bit but that moment the same music i think kicks in when bumblebee has been injured and he's hooked to the back of the tow truck and Michaela mm. starts driving him and he just starts shooting she's like i drive you shoot and he's like uh-huh. i drive you shoot yes and so um but it was a great moment and then at the end when they're standing there and he's like i am optimus prime and i send this message to any autobots out there i'm like oh yes oh that gave me chills yeah. <laughs> or at the end where you know they're they're talking and, and bumblebee says i wish to stay with the boy yes oh yes and you know what and a lot of people complain about sam's parents but that moment in the credits when they're closing out and they're like aliens no i don't think his mom's like no that's why the government that's why we have a government to let us know that kind of stuff they would tell us they'd be like hey duck and cover and i just always (laughs) thought she's hilarious and and in all three movies i think she's great both of those guys both of them are great but they're they're so funny i mean they are what makes that movie. They're some, they're the humor part. Like they're the C three PO and R two D two. They really are. You know? they, they really are. And I never think it's too over the top. In fact, uh, the, the stuff that happens to him in the second movie gets you know really ramped up and and makes it mean that much more. And in Transformers in that first movie, I got chills when, as I said, when Optimus Prime introduces himself, and then as they're fighting, and and he tells Megatron, "Today one shall stand and one shall fall." And Megatron says, why throw away your life so recklessly, Prime? And he's like, I was about to ask you the same thing. And they go to fight, you know, and of course, Sam saves the day. And, and Optimus says, well, Sam, I owe you my life and, and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and, and it's a great movie. But then when the second one came out, it was met with a lot more, even more uh, backlash than the first. Mm-hmm. And uh I went and saw the second movie with a good friend of mine who was a big Transformers fan from way back. And we sat there and we watched it. And when we walked out, we both looked at each other at the end of that movie and said, why did everyone have a problem with this? Because Yeah, no, I like the second one. Revenge of the Fallen, I love. Yes, loved. Revenge of the Fallen. And um, from the opening scene, when they're kind of setting up that the Autobots are working with the army now and, you know, the nest and all that stuff... And uh, and they're going after that Decepticon in China, mm-hmm. and they call in the airdrop, and it's Optimus freaking Prime, and he yep. airdrop, and he comes and he's like, "This is Prime. I'm on the scene, or I'm in pursuit." And he goes after him. He's like, "Pull over!" And he blows the Decepticon's big wheels out from under him. And he ah, oh, it's just I I was just like, who who doesn't like this? I know. No, who has I love a problem with this. So um. Oh, this is the, yeah, this is the, you sent me the link to the music that's playing that you're talking about. It's <laughs> awesome. The used. Oh, yeah, that is a, that is a great moment. And the other thing that's great about these things is you're seeing like these car chases down the road where they're going 70, 80, 90 miles an hour and transforming in stride and then going back into car mode or whatever they are. It's just so, the visuals are so cool. And that second movie, um, you know, I know a lot of people have a problem with, um, with the two, with the twins, uh, 
flaps and, and skids. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a problem with the twins. I understand that people do. But it's like people that have a problem with Jar Jar Binks. It's like for the exact same reason. And I just want to be, get over it. Yes, yeah. It's, you know, I, I didn't really care for their humor that much. And honestly, had they been out of the movie, I wouldn't have missed them. They're not no. characters I would have missed. But... I also wasn't like, oh my gosh, what is the deal here? Um, John Turturro, with his with his role that he played in all three of those first three, uh, from you know Sector Seven to kind of being the guy who wrote the book to being, um, you know, uh, no, he wrote the book in the third one. In the second one, he was kind of like a man betrayed by his country, one man <laughs> alone betrayed by his country. Um, the whole quest for the Matrix and everything was so cool and i'm telling you at the end when they're there in egypt and they they bring out sam's parents Mm -hmm. you know to be like give us this you know where they're going to get it and you know and sam is like i gotta get to optimus and i'll tell you the the thing that i thought when optimus is fighting off all the decepticons in the woods and they and they run him through and kill him um i sat there and i and i just looked at my friend the first time and i was like so I have to watch Optimus Prime die twice in one lifetime. You know, this is, I know. I mean, it. It. I didn't see it coming. I wasn't expecting it, and it ripped my heart out. I, I was, was in like, tears. You are kidding Nobody me. Nobody should be surprised if I cry in a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's coming. I've got something that's going to might surprise you in a minute. It's coming. But I was sitting there. I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. And in that last scene, you know, they, they get jet fire and... And they get out, and Optimus Prime wakes up, and it was a perfect moment to hit the "You've Got the Touch," even though I know it wouldn't really fit, but it fit for me in my head because I was singing it when Optimus Prime starts to come back. Like I'm, you got the touch, and uh, and he takes Jetfire's parts to get up to the Fallen, and uh, Devastator's tearing up the the pyramids and all this stuff, and Optimus goes to fighting, and it's just so good <laughs> it's really good I just you know what else so i mean you were talking about people like the human characters like i love josh duhamel is major linux yes. in all of them and yes. not just because he's eye candy no i i agree from that first from that first movie i was watching the first movie the, the over the weekend and because uh, i meant to watch all three before i went and saw the fourth but i just have time um but i from that first movie, I was just like, I really do like this guy, you know. Um, and uh, and who's the other one that that sticks around? Um, oh goodness, Tyrese is it? Tyrese. Tyrese. Yeah, I can't think of his last name. That's so so rude. Is it Tyrese or is it T- Tyrell? No. Uh, yeah, Tyrese Gibson. Yes, Tyrese he's Gibson. Sergeant Epps. Yeah. Yes, him. T- the 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 banter they have. And 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 the relationship they have with each other is just so cool to me, and especially in the first movie. And when he gets the guy's phone, and he's like, <laughs> "No, I don't want a special super saver plan, sir." Screaming about it will not help any bit at all. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, and he, he's like, "Bring the rain." Yes, bring the rain. Oh, it's it, I just love that in that second. And like I said, I go back to that second movie. It was so to me. It was so good. The quest for the Matrix. Uh, finding the Matrix, Sam's sacrifice to bring Optimus back to life. Um, that run that he makes. Yes. And the music and like the cinematography mm-hmm. for that run that he's making to save Optimus. Look, people can say what they want to about Michael Bay. That dude knows how to film action movies and, and these kind of films so that it just sucks you in. And, and he makes no apologies about it. And I appreciate that. I absolutely appreciate the fact that he's like, this is what I do. 
And this is what you're going to see when you see a Michael Bay film. I'm like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the slow motion camera that kind of comes. There's always that shot that pans around the person, like the person's in the center of the screen and the camera just kind of rotates around them. Um, there's always that shot as they're looking one way and the camera starts to turn the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm super cool with stuff like that because by and large, a lot of Michael Bay's stuff is not the shaky cam mess that I absolutely loathe. Um, by and large. Now that changed a little bit in this fourth one, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but I love the second one. But as much as I love the second one, Teresa, Transformers Dark of the Moon, to me, one of the greatest things ever to come on a movie screen in, in recent years. High five across the airwaves. Oh, I absolutely love Transformers Dark of the Moon. You want to talk about having someone crying? That movie had me in tears several times. And it might have been my state of mind at the time. I don't know. I'm not, I don't, you know, I can't be, I can't be. I just know that every time I watch them leave Earth, I choke up. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And he's like, there is no plan. And you oh. Ugh. And then they get blown up. And I'm like, you sorry sons of a motherless goat. What have you done to the Autobots? And, uh, uh, but... You know, and it was weird. It was a little bit jarring with no Michaela, you know. But honestly, I kind of ended up buying into this relationship that Sam had. In, yeah, in the with new the one. what's her face blonde girl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't remember her name, but I, I definitely <laughs> remember. You know, I definitely kind of I, they helped me buy into that relationship. And his parents retired, you know, and and just traveling around in their RV doing what retired parents do, and and Sam trying to get a job, and the fact that he'd save the world twice didn't matter coming to bite him in the butt you know and here's the thing that i don't like though about that movie is because um well anybody that's listening that watches Grey's anatomy they'll know like mcdreamy was not mcdreamy (laughs) and i was not happy about that he was a dirty rotten yeah dirty rotten guy and i was so angry he was a traitor to all of humanity he really was Uh, yeah no Bad Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> My sister texted me when she was watching. She's like, I can't believe Patrick Dempsey turned out to be a bad guy. <laughs> no, I, I did not approve of that at all. Um, The moment. I mean, because Sam goes to Chicago to save this girl's life, and he thinks, and they don't know how they're going to do it. Chicago's under attack by the Decepticons. They're setting up the thing for the space bridge. So, uh, so Sentinel Prime, by the way, who wipes out Ironhide, and that broke my heart, you know. Oh, uh, God. I mean, Why do they have to kill off I don't all know. of the amazing, the good, like the hardcore crew of the Transformers? I mean, you would think they would have at least left together, like, B, Optimus, Ironhide, Ratchet, like the main. That, those those five that are in the first one, I wish Jazz would have gotten out alive because they really should have gotten more... Uh, screen time in the in the in the following movies i loved ironhide ironhide was one of my favorites and he never to me got enough screen time you know who didn't get enough screen time who's that Soundwave. i don't need to see starscream all over the place okay (laughs) i want Soundwave. give me more Soundwave. i when i heard he was gonna be in it i was like yes and i'm like five minutes well you know he was in in the world he was in uh he was the satellite in revenge of the fall yeah yeah yeah, and, I know, and, but okay. still. 
and then that car in in the second in the third one in in, in Dark of the Moon, but um, <clears throat> but when Sam goes into Chicago, you know, like tape deck him. Yo, I agree. I'm all about it. But when Sam gets to Chicago and you know they're facing down um, this threat, you know, and and they're like, how are we going to get in here? How are we going to make things happen? And uh, and and they're being attacked. And I remember watching because I had no idea what was coming. And and something shoots it from off screen, shoots the ship from. I'm like, what was what? Wait, what was that? And then Optimus Prime just cocks his gun and he's like, "We will kill them all." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, get him, Prime, go, Prime!" I was I was a kid again. I would. I mean, I almost sit up in my chair. Just popcorn everywhere. It was mm-hmm. it to one again one of the greatest moments in recent cinematic history. Yeah, with just the words, "We will kill them all." I'm like, see, yeah. I get like that anytime Optimus says, "Roll out." Yeah, and like, and in the TV show, it takes him so long to get to where he's going to say "roll out" because he says "roll" or "transform" or whatever. But the "roll out," mm-hmm. you know, and, and when he finally says it, I'm like. Go! Go into battle! <laughs> well, in the, let's see. In the last movie, it was when um, they were going to save Bumblebee, and he's like, Autobots? In the first movie, I mean, roll out. Yep. Oh, and I, Yeah, and it took him forever in this movie, like you said, um, in the fourth one. But Oh, my God, the whole movie. Yes, yes. I'm sitting, I'm waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. Do you ever, when you're watching these movies in the theater, like, are you talking to yourself, like, a little bit? Yes, always. Okay, because I was in the movie theater, and I'm going, come on, B, come on, B, yeah, <laughs> yes. And, like, when, when he's in there with Stinger, yes. and, and all that stuff yes. is happening, I was, too, just like him going, oh, heck no. <laughs> You did not. Well, let's let's get into Age of Extinction now. And, and for everyone listening live, and for those of you listening via the podcast, spoiler alert: we're just going to talk about this movie and and and, and spoil it. You know, we're not intentionally spoil it, but just we're not going to be sensitive about spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, you don't want to be spoiled. Step away, um, because we're we're now going to to talk Age of Extinction. Um, this this was a this was a departure from what we've seen in the previous three movies. Not just because, you know, none of the original cast, uh, as far as the human side of things, were back, but because it took on a much darker tone than even even Dark of the Moon did. Like Dark of the Moon was a was kind of a dark, foreboding movie, but this really took on a a, a much more sinister situation uh, with what was going on right from the outset. You know, uh, because one of the first things you see is what we talked about earlier: Ratchet oh. being killed oh. by humans, oh. and this weird, and this, and this other transformer type thing that you don't really know what it is helping the humans out to do it. And you're like, well, what's going on? You find out that it's the CIA doing this stuff, and uh, the, they're like pulling him apart. Yeah, just and he's like, I'm piece. an Autobot, and he's, oh my god, I'm gonna cry. He's like hopping on one leg, mm-hmm. like trying to prove like who he is, and. Who the heck do you think you are, people? I mean, like, he's a living thing. I can't. I can't. I mean, I hate Kelsey Grammer, by the way. I just... I don't mind Frasier. Like, the show. It's pretty funny. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm just talking about after this movie. I hate Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Frasier is, like, what Mason has become to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> is what who has become to you? Mace Windu. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's the second that he started betraying Autobots mm. is like when Mace Windu betrayed Ahsoka Tano. Oh, no. Uh-uh, you're done for it, done. And, and the thing is, is Over. like in the end, it wasn't even for any any noble, like he couldn't justify it away. It was really just for money on his part. He tried to like spout off all these sanctimonious platitudes and everything, but at the end of the day, it was just for him to make money with this corporation. Which um, is even worse. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like he's just a bad, bad person. Like, at least Stanley Tucci, like, came around. Yes, yes. You um, know, and he, like, realized what he was doing. And yes. he realized that, like, the Transformers were there to help him. Because, like, seriously, Hound could have, like, blown him up in a minute. Uh, Hound is one, of my, is one of my new favorite characters from the Transformers cinematic universe. Did you know who was voicing John him Goodman. until when you... Well, no, but did you know before? Yeah, I, well, no, I didn't know going in. But when I heard him, I'm like, that's John Goodman. Yep. Yes, so good. He did such a great job. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, back to this whole thing. It was a much darker tone, and from the minute, um, and this is where I'll start getting choked up about stuff because I really did when Optimus Prime first transforms there in that barn, oh. and he's and he's like he's fighting, you know, he's like get away, and he's he's ready to fight these humans. And, you know, you get a sense that it's not just what he's been through, but also he's a little confused and such as. It was kind of... Like, he's hurt. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's betrayed, and he's hurt, and he... You get... When he when Optimus Prime gets to the point that he doesn't trust humans, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Yes. Yes. Um, I absolutely... Uh, it broke my heart because the whole time he was like, we'll do this and then we're done. I'm done with humanity. You know, Optimus Prime had been broken. Optimus Prime's spirit and heart had been broken. And, and so, um, and, and, and so throughout the whole movie, he's just ready to, to be done with it all. And, you know, I, props to Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg is, has turned, you know, I mean, and, it, and it's been this way for years, has, you know, is an outstanding actor. And for all the jokes I've made leading up to this movie, I think we found a Transformer. I have to stop now because I heard it on another podcast. And I'm like, well, I don't want to seem like I'm ripping off someone else. But I've been saying that since I first saw that in the trailer. Um, you know, he really, he played the role of a down on his luck, not really doing anything inventor, inventor kind of guy, you know, not able. You remember the dad and gremlins? Mm-hmm. He, that's kind of like Mark Wahlberg in Transformers Age of Extinction, Age of Extinction, only younger and tougher and, uh, using an alien gun because nothing he makes or invents seems to work or seems to get off the ground. And, but he's so into it. He, he just kind of lose himself and he's in, you know, He's losing money, uh, you know. He's he's as much as he loves his daughter. There's a there's a schism, if you will, between them, and and that plays out through the entire film. Like it's not sure. one of these it's not one of these things that's easily rectified as they're going into battle. You know, it takes them getting out of it, you know, toward the end or and being in the thick of it toward the end for for them to reconcile for him to reconcile with her boyfriend they didn't know about and i just I, the human element of this story really it worked for me more than i thought it would but can we talk about the mark Wahlberg father daughter 
thing really quick. Yes. Because I feel like the person that they cast to be his daughter, like, she looked like she could be his younger sister mm-hmm. and not really, like, his daughter. So it was, it was hard for me to buy on that level. I mean, I once I got into it and got into the story, I understood it, you know, but, right. like, I thought that they maybe could have gone another way with it, like maybe her just being his sister or something and like, but I mean, I guess I kind of get it, but I just feel like maybe they could have cast somebody yet, somebody different. Yeah. Well, except when you take in the fact to me that she's a senior in high school, she's 18, he's playing 36 there basically, or she's 17, he's playing 35, 36 because, you know, he, her mom was pregnant with her while they were in high school. So, you know, he's a young father. And, you know, her being an older teenager on the cusp of womanhood, if you will. Um, and the girls these days, Teresa, just, they, they try to they try to dress like they're seven or eight years older than they are. No, oh, I know. I taught um, high school. Yeah, so, yeah, you've been there. You've been there. You know how it goes. Um, Put on I, some clothes. But I bought into it. And at the same time, though, if, I have to, if I'm honest, I do, I feel like in that first third of the movie, there was probably 30 minutes that could have been cut out here or there yeah, i don't know where like I would on the cut... ship yeah well no not that <laughs> you mean when ratchet got it no oh. no on the ship like when they go up on the ship and they're running around in the you know yeah, alien that, ship yeah that took a little too long that was some yeah. stuff that took a little a little too long but it just kind of to me that first third of the movie that first act kind of drugged to get to the point that it that it got to um, there was too much exposition leading into things, but um, I do love that it was been Texas though. Yeah, that was to me that was kind of it was a neat change of pace and um, him finding Optimus Prime and bringing him back and all this stuff and that moment on, on the front lawn was just unbelievable to me when the when the when the government comes in and raids and Kelsey Grammer is like use the girl and they throw yeah. the girl down and put a gun to her head. And he was like, "Tell us where he is." And he, you know, he said, "He was in there when I came out here. He was in there, you know." And uh, and that causes Optimus because Optimus, no matter how much he is angry with humanity or has been let down by humanity, he can't let an innocent die. And did you? And I agree with you. Did you notice, like, what's his name? I guess her boyfriend's name is Sean or Shane. Shane. Mm-hmm. And did you notice the car pulling up like out in the pasture yeah it looked like there was no driver in it when it first right. pulled up. i thought that was gonna be an autobot i did too i did too and i was and so even to the point when he opened the door and said get in i said oh that's one of those holograms driving <laughs> yeah um it wasn't no it wasn't you're right you're right it was it was shane and it was a great moment when they're driving down the road of that chase and that was a great chase scene by the way and he's like I never knew I could drive this good. It's like I'm in the zone, like I've never been before. And he's like, shut up, Lucky Charms, and drive. Oh, <laughs> I love it. He called him Lucky Charms. That was awesome. And you know what? When I heard that the first time, I was like, oh, Steve's going to love that. Yeah, I did love it. I was cereal. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, there were too many, to me, conversations, though, between those two um, mm-hmm. that just were the same thing over and over again. You know, that, again, I... I'm saying there could have been about 30 minutes of this movie trimmed off to make it a little, to make it move along a little bit quicker. You'd still gotten everything that you got and you still had the ride that you had. Um, And that's really my biggest criticism of the whole movie is just there were a few things. And for some reason, Michael Bay hired the shaky cam people uh, to film with him in this one. There, There were moments where, 
and I understand what you're trying to do in these moments with the camera to make you feel kind of like you're in it. But there, I remember there was one shot where it was like no photographer, no, no one working a camera, no editor in their right mind would ever use this kind of footage because it was a non-shot. It was so jumpy that there was nothing in focus, nothing going on. And I was just like, that was a terrible shot to even consider using. I want, I, I can't wait for the revolution in movies to come back around to the steady cam and laying tracks down, and you know, having the camera be not as frenetic and all over the place. I'm, I'm oh, looking forward to that. Oh, that's gonna happen. Day. Yeah, it's called episode seven. Yes, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I'm looking forward to that day when that takes place. But uh, those are my two bigger criticisms of the movies. Just a, a little bit different editing and 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 ease up on the shake him shake him wasn't as bad as it was in man of steel everything no, I would else agree with you actually everything um, else so worked for me in this movie did you like crosshairs yeah which now crosshairs was the green the parachute of the green one yeah and the what was the what was the samurai played by ken Watanabe? i don't know his name but he was freaking hilarious they were both there's one scene where he says something like you know like like trying to be peaceful or whatever and yes. then he just like whips out his oh he's like he's boom. like he's like let us use patience and and try to come to a peaceful recognition and something jumps out of him he just stabs it he's like it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> he was voiced by ken watanabe um and uh i can't i'm trying to find um sam in the traps that in the chat said his name is drift yes drift i'm i'm here now drift okay. um Crosshairs, I dug. I dug their relationship. They were what mud flaps and skids. I think should have been. Should have been. Yeah. In in the second one, again, Hound. I absolutely loved. I don't know what that was. He was supposed to be smoking, and it would go. He would take it out and throw it away, and then there'd be another one there. I'm like, where are you getting these these metal cigars from? <laughs> um, I was so glad. That they brought Frank Welker in to be Galvatron, mm-hmm. who is Megatron. I mean, now here's the thing: in the original Transformers, um, in that movie, Megatron's so beat up, Scar- Starscream throws him off an Astro Train. Unicron finds him, transforms him into Galvatron, and Galvatron from that point in the movie is voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Um, and I forget who did him in the actual cartoon series once they jumped to that crew. Um, but here, this Galvatron has a different... This whole plot where they figured out how to build these Transformers. And he's and the guy was trying to get the this model to turn out like Optimus Prime, but it wouldn't. It kept looking like Megatron. And ended up being Galvatron. And, and he called it Galvatron. And, uh, and, and to hear Frank Welker voicing Galvatron, who... Basically, was the brainwaves and everything else that was Megatron was just awesome. Especially at the end when he's like, um, "You you win this time, Prime." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's 1985 all over again," and uh, and I was just so stinking happy. Now I want to I want to tell you when the tears came for me in this movie, and I and it was spontaneous and blew my mind that they did. When Optimus Prime. They, they finally get away from the government and everything. And they're rolling out into the desert. And Optimus Prime tunes his radio. And he's like calling all Autobots. Calling all Autobots. And then we meet the survivors. And they're excited because Optimus is okay. Optimus has survived. And Optimus 
you know, scans the truck that goes by and he gets back into his regular form and all that stuff that we know from, from the movie universe. And they pull out into the desert. For some reason, I just, tears welled up in my eyes because I'm like, they're going to a desert base. Mm-hmm. They're meeting up and this is where they were in the cartoon because it was so remote and, and people couldn't find them. They're going to the desert base. And I was just, I absolutely... I loved it. I just, I absolutely love that moment. And, you know, and, and for, and it just caught me, everything about it just caught me in the right way to the point that it caused me to, to, to well up with tears. Um, it was, I got really emotional during that scene too, but I always like when the Autobots come together Yes, because they always seem like they're getting ripped apart from each other, Mm -hmm. you know, but for me, it was definitely the ratchet scene and then um, this scene didn't tear me up, but it made me like scream out loud, and fist pump. Yes. And when yes. Um, Bumblebee got the brand new Camaro, mm-hmm. I was like, yes! <laughs> that the whole the whole plot ends up being Megatron working from, you know, working from basic almost practically beyond the grave, mm-hmm. and um, and so cool. I mean, it was just so cool that it was Megatron back, you know. And again, like I said, we've spoiled everything for you. Um, this this collector, this lockdown character, um, who I feel like I think he's a creation for the movies. I'm not familiar with anything like that from the series. I, you know, if it were me, he's working for the Quintessons, who are from the original G1 series. They're the people who built or created Optimus Prime. And apparently a lot of other Transformers. Um, they're not bad guys, but they're not good guys either. Right. Um, they're they're very strange, and so. But you never. He never says who he's working for. He never. The he creators. Never, yeah, the creators is what he keeps calling them, but you don't really know who the creators are. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a, it's an interesting storyline that he's got his own agenda that you initially think works hand in hand with what the government's doing, but it. Ultimately, it doesn't. It you know his agenda is, I've got to get Optimus Prime back to the creators, for what I don't know. But then it's also at the same time he's like some kind of collector because, you know, he takes Optimus into that prison cell thing and where he's hanging him upside down and he's like, you know, this is don't you like this collection, and um, and then that moment where and because I'll be honest with you, the from the trailer. They did show Swoop in the trailer, but I always thought that was a Decepticon when I saw it. Because the Decepticons were always more animalistic and everything. And I was kind of like, is that? What is that? Um, I really thought we were just going to get one Dinobot. I really thought we were just going to get Grimlock. And when he lets them loose, and they just let him and Grimlock fight. Oh my gosh, and he's trying to tame him, and he's like... You come with us. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets on gets on his back, you know, after those two passes and Grimlock's just like, Yes, master, yeah, basically. I mean, basically he's like, I'll give you you know, you want your freedom, you're gonna fight for it with us and uh and, he, and they he's do. like he's like Jurassic Park Roar Yes, it's flames Optimus- come out and I'm like Roar <laughs> <laughs> Oh and then and they and the whole gang of Dinobots took you know made a big deal in that battle, and it was so great because Ryda's Hound is is running out of ammo, you know, and you think it's all over for Hound. And he's like, I'm on, I'm done, I'm done, I got nothing left. That's right. And then here comes Optimus. Oh, 
So good. So good. I mean, that final battle with all of them there in, Be- in Beijing or wherever they're at, is, or Hong Kong. Yeah, because Raj uh, from the HK, from the UK in the HK, who's right now in Bali, he saw, you know, he saw where they were doing some filming there in Hong Kong. And um, I just, I'm telling you, it was such a good end fight scene. Right down to the humanity of it all, you know, with um, with Kelsey Grammer, you know, going after Mark Wahlberg's character. Mark Wahlberg's character is, is uh, Cade Yeager. Uh, Stanley Tucci's character, Joshua Joyce, who's trying to get rid of the seed. Um, but, you know, and, and he's now turned the corner and, and trying to atone for what he's done wrong. And, and Kelsey Grammer, Harold Adinger was his name, is just, <clears throat> you know, you've cost me money. Now I'm going to kill you. And, uh, and and they have their, you know, he and Mark Wahlberg kind of have their showdown while Lockdown has now come back and is fighting with Optimus Prime. And he gets, I love that uh, <clears throat> that Tessa, Cade's daughter, and Shane, the boyfriend, come back and they get that tow truck. And they use that to trip up Lockdown and they use it to get the sword out of Optimus Prime's chest. Ugh. And then Prime's like, oh, it's on now. It is on and and he does his thing, man. Optimus Prime ain't scared to cut a robot in half. Sorry. What, what happened to you? Oh, Greg was saying good night. Oh, good night, Greg. <laughs> good night, Greg. Um. Yes. I don't know. I I heard you, but I just. Like... I'm just saying Optimus Prime ain't scared to cut a robot in half. Is all I'm saying. No, you know, Optimus Prime has a totally different vibe in this movie. In this movie, he's like, all bets are off. I'm so done. I'm done with protecting everybody. I'm tired of this trash. I'm just going to get it. I'm getting too old for this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's kind of bittersweet at the end because uh, he frees the Dinobots, who just kind of run off into the wilderness. And he... Did you not wonder where they went? I do I'm like, wonder where they where went. Where are you going? I do wonder where they went. Now in Transformers, they found a great island for them, Dinobot Island. But um, in the cartoon, maybe I mean, that's where they're maybe, going. Maybe, maybe they're, they're going. No, maybe they're going to what is it? Um, Isla Cerna. Yes. Whatever. Yes. <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> they're going to go take out all the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. All the dinosaurs. All the dinosaurs. The baby dinosaur. Yeah. Look at the baby dinosaur. Um. Anyhow, that's amazing. I'm Mr. DNA. Uh, hi, I'm Mr. DNA. Now, what? Anyhow, our research, our genetic researchers, pull me out and recreate me time and time again, and before you know it, a baby dinosaur. dinosaur. <laughs> but, uh, but I do think they, you know, they run off, and then Optimus Prime leaves Earth. He just leaves. And it's he, like he know he's got to take the seed, which was a weird name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I agree. I agree. Very, very, very uncomfortable. A little bit. Okay. Um, and then the he and he leaves. Yes. And I'm just like, no. Where are you going? You're coming back, right? You're coming back. Well, definitely he's coming back, but he's going to find the creator and be like, now you know it, it's on. It was a different vibe because he had been betrayed. He'd been betrayed by people that he'd helped out and worked with, and his comrades had been killed by these same people. And and he, you know. He had to find his faith in humanity again, and I like the fact that he quoted what Cade told him. He's like, "Don't, I'm not actually have faith in who we are, but have faith in who we can be," you know. And he kind of he kind of turns that back around later on, and he's like, "You know, I believe in who you can be," and and as he takes off, you know, to go out with the seed and to (laughs) (laughs) 
and and to find the creators, whoever they may be. You know, that's the end of the movie. And I was kind of disappointed there was no, you know, mid-credit sequence the way there has been in the past three. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like, because I think this is Michael Bay's last Transformers that he's doing, I feel like it's his way of saying, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody. Not that there was ever anything in those post-credit sequences that led into the next movie. But, I mean, because you already have Megatron still on Earth. That's set up, or Galvatron, if you will. Um, and and so he's got, he can, you know, plot his machinations. Uh, primes off into space. So your next movie has to be the the return. Now, here's my question for you. What do you think happened to the Witwickies? I don't know, and I want to know. I feel like they're dead. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, You know, honestly... I don't really care what happened to the wikis as much as I care about what happened to Major Linux. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's and, that's my thing is I think obviously these guys that were with Nest and all, I feel like they've been either shuffled off to to other jobs and that sort of thing, you know, and just kind of like forget it. You're not, we're not working with them anymore, and they're gone. But with like the Sam and his family, I was sitting there thinking about. It. I'm like, I bet they're killed. I bet they killed him. That or they got arrested at a cabaret. Oh wow! Which is what happened to Shia yeah, yeah. Like last and week. <laughs> he's like, I'm not famous anymore. Uh, maybe they're just wearing paper bags on their heads. Maybe. Um. No, you know, I don't know, but like, I, I really like the character of Sam, mm-hmm. and I really like the character of Michaela. So I'm kind of bummed that they're not around anymore. But I could handle Mark Wahlberg, you know, being more of a Maybe in another one or something. Yeah, I mean, I feel like what they're setting up, if they do another one, and, and obviously I think they want to, I, I really feel like um, they're setting up Mark Wahlberg and uh, Stanley Tucci's character to have kind of a relationship because, you know, he said, I can help you out with that. And so I feel like he's going to bring Kate in under, you know, to work with him and, and that sort of thing but at the, and, and help help him take care of his financial issues. And so obviously they'll... I think those two would definitely be back for a sequel. You don't necessarily have to have Tessa and Shane back for a sequel. Kelsey Grammer's mm-hmm. dead. Spoiler alert. Yeah, um, who cares? You know, and so, <laughs> but I, I tell you, I, I'm if there's one, I'm there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, oh, me too. No doubt. But here's the thing: Bumblebee doesn't have a person now. That's true. That's true. And I'm sad because yeah. Bumblebee always has a person. Yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, well, him and he and he and Shane kind of started up a little relationship. No, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Not allowed. Why? Shane's not worthy of Bumblebee. Why do you say that? Lucky Charms? No, he's not worthy of Bumblebee. Come he can on. have crosshairs or or drift. Well, they're not possessions to be had. Well, as far as like a car. Okay. <laughs> I'm very protective of who who Bumblebee can can be his buddy. I understand. Not Shane, and definitely not Tessa. No, no, I'm not a fan of Tessa. No. I really wasn't a fan of Tessa in this. I, I did like, I did come around to liking Shane. I, actually, I liked Shane from the outset when he was driving the getaway. I'm like, okay, I can dig this guy. I didn't like the constant conversations that he and Cade were having about the relationship with his daughter. I'm like, all right, we get it. They're together. He's not happy about it. Let's move on. Um, you know who I like that they killed at the very beginning? Who's that? Mark Wahlberg's friend, whatever his name was. Yes, yes. Um, I want to say Logan, but that's not right. I don't know, but he had Lucas. one of the best. He had one of the best lines in the movie when Mark Wahlberg was saying, um, "You know, 
I own you. And he's like, I'm pretty sure it's illegal to own people. That was like a while ago. Even in even Texas. In Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and being a Texan, oh, it just cracked me up. I was like, and there were parts of it where I was watching where they were filming, and I was like, I know where that is. I yes. know where that is. Yeah. It's always cool. They're, like there are moments in in shows that are in shows and movies that are filmed in Georgia where I can look at it and be like, "Yep, I know exactly where that's at, or at least the area," kind of thing. Um, Zombieland was filmed about an hour and a half from here, uh, mm. part of it in uh, in an amusement park. I'm like, "Yep, I've been there, walked around there, know where that ride is, know what that ride is, know right where that's at." Um, but anyhow, we digress. Well, Teresa, I think that's going to wrap up our Transformers talk. Well, I want to talk about one thing real okay, quick. Okay, please. And do. even though you don't like it, but um, there's a new Transformers show coming to the hub in 2015. Now, wait a minute. I, how do I not like something that hasn't happened? I don't know. You said you didn't like Transformers Prime. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't really care for it because they didn't bring in enough new... I, the thing I love, one of the things I loved about the old G1 series is all the different characters that ended up coming into it. And in Transformers Prime, they really stuck to those four um, that they had. And you really didn't get a lot of branching out from the, the ones that are in that pilot episode. And so that was kind of... But they did bring in Unicron in Transformers Prime. Mm-hmm. So what is happening so, in 2015? In 2015, Transformers Robots in Disguise comes out. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty cool because um, I didn't watch too much of Transformers Prime, so I'm excited to get a show I can get into from the beginning. But Bumblebee is going to be, like, the leader of the Autobots. Hmm. Because Optimus Prime dies. So anyway, so Bumblebee, apparently at the end of, I want to see the last few episodes of Transformers Prime, but apparently Bumblebee is working really hard to get um, Master Class or something mm-hmm. on, on Cybertron, and he achieves it. And Bum, um, Optimus doesn't leave anybody in charge, and um, Bumblebee kind of takes charge, and so it's supposed to be him, Sideswipe, and then a mini-con um, named Fix-It. And then there will be a Dinobot. And so it's kind of like they have to return to Earth to go and help because, um, of course, the Decepticons come back. But cool thing, I didn't know that Eric Matthews, who's Will Friedle, Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World, right. the character, um, Will Friedle apparently does a lot of voiceover work, hmm. which I didn't know. He was Batman and Batman Beyond, apparently. Um, didn't know that. Anyway, he's Bumblebee. Okay. And then Darren Chris, who is Blaine from Glee, is going to be Sideswipe. So I'm like, yeah! So excited. I'm looking at some images from this now. It looks like... Um, it looks like it's kind of a spinoff of Transformers Prime, just with a 2D animation instead of the 3D animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they... Um, the animation is, looks a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And there's only been like one image that they've released. But the character designs look the same. I'm actually seeing a couple. I'm seeing some character uh, models for uh, uh, Bumblebee, and I guess Sideswipe, and maybe that's RC. That's Fix It. Or Fix that's... It. And then there's a, uh, a poster, the brand new series Transformers coming soon. It's Bumblebee, and there's like a. Uh, ghostly image of Optimus Prime behind him. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, and they look like the same character designs, only in a two D version instead of a three D version. Which honestly, I was never keen on that either. And I mean, I hate to be like that guy that's like, well, they're not uh, they're not G one Transformers. 
But uh, it's interesting because there was also a, a, a series called Transformers Robots in Disguise that came out in 2001. And um, <clears throat> Peter Cullen did not voice Optimus Prime in that. Uh, that I, I don't think. I think that's the one where, they, where Optimus Prime was a fire truck. And uh, I can't remember who did his voice. But it was called Robots in Disguise. And it had... It wasn't... Arm, see, there's been a lot. There's been... Um, it's been a ton. Yeah, there's been a ton. There's been there's a bunch trans- that were only Japanese. Only. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't even get into the 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 headmasters and all that stuff. Neil Kaplan was the voice of Optimus Prime in, in Robots in Disguise. Um, but uh, there was Transformers Armada, which brought in a lot of the mini bots um, that had different things going. And, and these really focused a lot too on the human factor sometimes a little bit more. And they were more anime style. And I wasn't a big fan of those. Um, I've, I've watched a little bit of Transformers Prime, and it's okay, you know, it's fine, it's fine. But um, just not my, not necessarily my cup of tea. So, and if they're going to kill Optimus Prime off and let Bumblebee be the leader, why? I don't remember if he either got killed off or if he went off to go do something. I mean, they'll probably kill him. I mean, I didn't die. see it. I read it, so I don't remember yeah. what it's. Well, probably, I mean, look, the poster has him as a ghost. So yeah. You know, Bumblebee but if Bumblebee gets to be front and center, heck yeah, mm-hmm. man! I mean, I love Optimus Prime. Okay, I do. Yeah, I just feel like here's here's my thing. I guess I feel like there's a wealth of characters that they could be drawing from in some of these new series that they're not, um, like Hot Rod in Rodimus Prime, like um, like uh, like Blur and Cup and um, <clears throat> Blaster. Uh, you know, Will, uh, Cliff Jumper, Will Jack, um, Ironhide, of course, you know, uh, Ironhide was non-existent in Transformers Prime. Um, there was someone like him. What was the guy's name? It was kind of an Ironhide type character, but Ratchet, Will Jack, all these guys, I just feel like they don't take enough advantage of them, um, to, you know, these characters that they have at their disposal to really, you know, give a full on just awesome show uh even on the decepticon side with things like the constructicons um or even the insecticons uh, <laughs> insecticons yeah they were they were bugs or they yeah, came, yeah. <laughs> and they ate metal that's what they like to do <laughs> i'm serious i know it's just funny um and so you know I, and that's again that's one of the things i loved as a kid was like who's on this week you know who's on this episode and if you have this little core group of like just four or five, it's like okay, I know who's on this episode, um, and and I'd like to see more, more happy. Thank you more, please. Um, I'll tell you this: if you're if you're into comics, uh, IDW has some great Transformers titles out there. Um, we've gone so long; I, I'd have to kind of dig through what I've got to, to tell you what I what I'm all about. Um, as far as some of those comic titles go, but I know that in the early 2000s, they brought Transformers back, G1 Transformers, and it was just a really cool title with some great art by, I want to say Jim Lee was doing some of the art, and it was just really a super fun title. Um, You know, with some more grown-up kind of adult problems that the Transformers were facing, it wasn't like, where do we get Energon this week? It was, you know, it was kind of some of the similar issues that we've seen them face in some of these movies. Uh, but with those G1 characters, so that was pretty cool. So, 
Um, all right. Well, that's what Transformers Robots in Disguise coming 2015. I guess that's you said that's going to be on the Hub? Yep, on the Hub Network. The Hub is a great network, by the way. It is. I love the Hub. So I love the Hub. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm silly. I'm silly at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Well, that All right, is, wow. Yes, ma'am. That is going to wrap it up for us here on Geek Out Loud. You can catch myself and Teresa on Disney Vault Talk. Uh, we do that. Uh, Teresa tried to make me do it weekly, but she recently said every two weeks. So we'll see how often we do it, but probably... I'm imagining close to weekly is when it's going to end up being done. <laughs> uh, next week we'll be doing that, and tune in for Fantasia. Again, Vault Talk is now available on iTunes. You can just search Disney Vault Talk, take your right to it. Please subscribe, download, uh, rate, and review for us, and get us known about uh, out in the uh, out in the old iTunes store and such as. Um, you can catch Teresa on Fangirls Going Road over at Shot Glass Digital Road Road Rogue Rogue Fangirls Going Rogue over at ShotGlassDigital.com on the Rebel Force Radio feed. And, of course, Star Wars Bookworms uh, at the StarWarsReport.com. She has her own blog, uh, Fangirl Cantina. She writes for... Oh, that's Trisha. Oh, that's Fangirl FangirlNextDoor.com. I'm sorry. FangirlNextDoor.com. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, anyhow. Just follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at IceColdPenguin. At we'll IceColdPenguin. I wanted to plug everything you do. Sorry! <laughs> Wow, it's a, a little, a little anger there going on. Hey, hey, hang on, got it. You can get, you can listen to Steve on everywhere on geekoutonline.com, Big Honkin Show, Geek Out Loud, Rock Out Loud. Know what I'm saying? Rebel Force Radio. Sometimes. I went, Yeah, I was plugging you. I was plugging. No, I know, your but stuff. I'm going to plug you. And he's at Steve Glossin on Twitter. <laughs> Okay, anyhow, <laughs> Teresa, Star Wars Bookworms over at uh, StarWarsReport.com. She also writes for JediNews.co.uk, so check her out there. Uh, you can follow Geek Out Loud on Twitter, at Geek Out Loud. I'm personally at Steve Glosson, and as Teresa, she's already said, is at IceColdPenguin on Twitter. Hey, we'd love for you to like us on Facebook. Be one of the over 1,000 people who have liked Geek Out Loud on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud. While you're at iTunes looking for Disney Vault Talk, if you haven't already rated and reviewed Geek Out Loud, please do so. That helps more and more people know about us. And if you want to help out the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Geekoutonline.com is where you'll go to find the Amazon link to help support the show. Shop at Amazon through that link. Help support all the shows. You can also subscribe to the Geek Out Loud newsletter, Goal Insider, and uh, also click on... Um, Gulliver store to buy your Geek Out Loud t-shirt. Teresa, thank you again so much for coming on this episode. I've had a blast. Me too. We always have fun though. We we do always have fun. It's always a good time talking to you. Love to Greg and uh, I can't wait to watch some Fantasia and talk about that with you on Disney Vault Talk. Me too. All right. That does wrap it up for us, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, everyone, who joined us in the live chat at Mixer.com slash Big Honkin' Show. Thank you so much for taking the time to download and listen to the podcast. I do appreciate you and love you so much. We'll see you next time right here on Geek Out Loud. <laughs>